So we are to return to the flame worlds, intoned Lord Relictor Cryptborn, his words bitter as grave mold. This time, at a fraction of our strength, and without Lord Vandus to guide us. Decimator Prime Dacus stood at attention to Cryptborn's side, the hulking paladin looking upon the shifting mosaic of firestone that represented the Ashlands in the Hall of Crusades Emergent. At Mount Cronus we fell, every one of us, said the big warrior. Thunder now rumbled in his words, as if the storm had somehow permeated his voice during his fast reforging. I relish the chance for a swift redemption. Don't you feel the same, Lord Cryptvorn? Do not doubt my conviction, Aukus. Instead, look to your own. Our chamber's paladins form the sole vanguard. I'm not sure they can win victory alone. They will not have to, came a cultured voice. Cryptborn turned to see a regal warrior in blue Sigmarite approach, easy confidence in every stride. Lord Victrian, said Aukus, I hear much of your skills. They are not mine to claim, only Sigmar's, said the Tempest Lord. Well met, brothers. With your hammer hands and my Victrians, victory is assured. I hope you're right, said Ionis, for all our sakes. Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next few hours, I'll be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and probably some of my various other fandoms. Well, actually, maybe not tonight, because tonight I'm bringing you Ignax, Bayamot, and Archeon. And I'm David Wytek. And with me tonight, besides Lindsay, the Canadian albino hockey puck, is returning friend of the show, Christian Bayer. Christian! Hey, David. How's it going? Fantastic. Fantastic! It's Thanksgiving break! Yes, finally. Oh, man. And book three of the Realm Gate Wars, God Beasts, because I figure I'm starting to think it's good to be the last person to review it so that everybody's already heard it and nobody wants to listen to my version of it, but we'll see. Because... I think everybody's been holding out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everyone's skipping everybody else's episodes to hear this one. Dramatic That's readings, right. lots of fluff, and then maybe something useful. Oh, man. I am so excited about this, though, man. Like, this book is so good. It really is. And uh, yeah, I'm just so jazzed between this and uh, all gates at Christmas, so that we can wrap up the Realmgate Wars books before the end of the year. Uh, I've just been doing tons of reading, going back and reading this stuff again months after it's come out, getting mm-hmm. that second wind on it. And I'm like, oh, this is, you know, you forget how good it is, especially when you when now that when you've read the later stuff. Yes. So it's kind of like kind of exactly. like when we did the Stormcast Eternals uh, uh, book. Uh, 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 battle tome coverage. It's like reading yes. stuff that's been covered a while ago. So it's like, oh, now I'm seeing, I'm seeing the stuff they're laying down for later. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed going back to it because exactly, you're seeing, you're looking at it for, through a different lens now. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, there's that part in the book where you're reading and you're like, oh, look, these guys are stuck in the gate. No, look, here comes Nagash's warriors. And you're like, oh, what are they going to do? It's like, wait a minute. They don't actually show up again for the rest of this story. <laughs> well, what was that all about? It's like, oh, that that's right. That's important mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to throw that little bit in now. We're just dropping little hints and, and, and drops here. So tease you. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? Before we jump into God Beasts, uh, let's take a minute to uh, thank the sponsors. Would you mind uh, helping me out here? I'd be happy to. All righty. 
The sponsors of Garage Hammer, as always, are Unique Gifts and Games. In Gray's Lake, Illinois. Mercia Miniatures. That's M-I-E-R-C-E hyphen miniatures.com. Chaos Arc Superstore. Chaos Arc Superstore! Chaos Arc Superstore! Chaos Arc Superstore! Chaos Arc Superstore! Six Squared Studios. For tokens, markers, and a whole lot more. And Battle Foam, protecting your... Army! (laughs) Yes. Uh, And we would be remiss if we didn't thank our Patreon associate producers, the guys who put in their time and effort not only to keep the show going, but join me on our quarterly uh, show discussion and setup. And these are the guys who help guide the next three months of episodes and where they go. You, too, could be an associate producer and be on in helping choose the topics in the shows. You could be an associate producer just like James Mackey, Ryan Taylor, and Shirley Tempel. And to find out how you can be a show patron... Just take a visit to patreon.com slash garage hammer. Oh, and hey, thanks, uh, Christian. After last episode, I noticed you jumped on and became a patron. (laughs) I I appreciate that. I was like, like, hey, look, there he goes. I should thank him. I'm going to talk to him next week. I'm going to thank him in person on the show. Why, thank you. Um, I've been meaning to since we originally talked about you planning on doing it all those months ago, and it just (laughs) constantly was slipping my mind. And then after last show, I was like, gosh darn it, I'm going to do this right now. (laughs) Slip my mind again. Well, I do appreciate it. We've actually uh, hit several stretch goals. Um, That's how the YouTube videos are up. Uh, That will be once I can get a decent camera, because I got a camera, and guess what? It's it's crap. Um, I thought I had a, something that would work, but we are going on to Twitch TV to do the shows live eventually. So th- for those people who want to hear the show in all its raw, unadulterated uh, uh, craptacularness before it's edited and cleaned up, you will be able to watch and listen live uh, very soon. Um, that's through the, the, the goodness of those guys at Patreon. And um, we're closing in on our final big goal, which is to bring back Garage Gamer at least once a month, talk about stuff other than AOS, like just the stuff, you know, uh, like the, Kings. the various other fandoms that I have. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm super excited about that, actually. Um, I got a whole, whole bunch of things that we gonna, we're going to talk about uh, if, those, if that thing happens. So super excited. But this is not the time for that. No. For now, it is time for a break, quick break, so that we can come back. And we're skipping everything as usual, folks, to jump into 250 pages of fluff and times of war and battle plans as we bring you God Beasts. We'll be right back. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night, 
to Friday Night Magic. There's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Org Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Org Superstore. Welcome back to the story of God Beasts, the Realm Gate Wars, book three. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, now, uh, I like that the book opened up sort of with the recap because these books are really long. And for anyone who's just picking this one up, um, you know, it starts off kind of recapping what happened in the first two books. Um, with some fantastic artwork, by the way. I'm jumping ahead. I know, Christian, you got your book in front of you. Uh, starting on page eight, The Surging Tides of War, just all the really fantastic, the artwork and the sort of quick story about everything that happened so far, um, up to the point where Vanda's Hammerhand um, just uh, doesn't have a chance against Archeon. Uh, which happened in the end of the last book. Right. Arcan is scary. He is. Like, Arcan has always been scary, you know, and it's not the mount. I mean, granted, he's got a much larger mount now than the dragon or than the, the, the horse before. The horse. Uh, it's still Dorgar. Apparently, Dorgar just takes whatever form is appropriate for where he's at. So when he was on the Warhammer world, it was appropriate to be a black, scary horse. I don't know why he wasn't a dragon, but he was a black, scary horse. Good enough. He was Archeon's yeah. mount. Now he's this, you know, the the three headed dragon beast, um, dude. Like Chimera. Yeah. Seriously, who has a chance to stand? Ag- I mean, how is he not a god in his own right? Like he's got that's s- up to the chaos gods. I know. <laughs> I mean, he's he's basically a demon prince without actually turning into a demon because he won't serve any one of them. He's one of the few creatures ever to basically ascend as far as he had without signing on with any one. He signs on with all four and refuses to play their games. He's smarter than them. Yeah. He's better than them. I mean, you read this book and you're like, wow, why didn't they think of this stuff? And it's like, because Archeon just sits around. He's got like, what, thousands, thousands of Varengard? Yes. According, I mean, how does he not just, I mean, okay, I get, you know, I get it. You know, he's the, the, he's basically bucking to become a god himself. It seems like it, doesn't it? Because he's ridiculous. Like every time he shows up, it's like everything around him dies. I mean, spoilers. I know we're going to get to it later, but when the Star Drakes show up and there's three of them and they attack him in unison, and so he's like, "But Archeon's too too clever to get attacked all at once." He swings and swerves and makes sure to reach him one at a time. And basically, him and Dorgar just gut. All three of them and their riders, like in just like 
no contest. This is like Bruce Lee fighting, and not fighting like the main bad guy. This is like Bruce Lee fighting the guys all in the white geese, like just like right. the guys who are running at him in mass. And all this the scrubs, is, yeah. Yeah, and he's taking on Lord Celestin's on Star Drakes. And just like, get away from me, get away from me. You know, it's like if Mike Tyson fought an infant. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Like, how does this guy not? I mean, I know he can't be everywhere, but you would think anywhere that there was an important fight. It's just like, just go. Like, you could. It's ridiculous. But he's got his own plans and schemes. Yeah, he does. And, and, and like, he doesn't get distracted the way the chaos gods do. Well, cuz they're not all trying to outdo one another or they're not out, they're not they're not trying to screw their neighbor at the last minute and take take mm-hmm. power. He's just like, "Yep, I'm just doing this thing and I'm going to, you know." So it's it's weird. It's it's he's like a force of nature. Yeah. Cuz yeah, it's almost like it's like his job is just to destroy anything that's not in the chaos realm. Destroy and crush things and subjugate them in the name of chaos. And he doesn't even seem to subjugate anymore. Like, the first time he showed up, I thought he wanted to subjugate the Warhammer world. And then yeah. when they redid it, it's like, oh, no, he's not subjugating. He's here to crack this planet in half and suck it into the warp. Yeah. And now he's riding around. He seems to be doing the same thing. There's This isn't... This isn't this isn't about conquering the name of. This is just destruction. And he just kind of rides through, okay, these things are going good, and they're not part of the chaos realm. Time to destroy them. Yep. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic, but it's like, I don't know where this story's going as in, in regards to, like, what else can you do with him? Like, who can face him? I suppose Sigmar. I suppose, yeah. I mean, but that's like the one. I mean, seriously, that's this is. It, it, it I mean, seems to be on that level, right? Yeah, I mean, that's like one of that's. It, these are the types of creatures, that, and it's and it, I'm looking at watching. It's going to take Sigmar and Alarial and like all of these guys to take him down eventually, if they even take him down. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously he could be one of these eternal foes. You know, like he never killed the Joker. You know, he just keeps getting away. Right. But it's like the more I read this stuff, it's like, wow, he's just he has no fear. He's practically indestructible. Yeah. You know, he just goes right up to Ignax like everything else is getting just it's like, yeah, but Archeon's beyond getting melted by pure heat and pure energy. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, okay, really? That's that's an awesome power to have. I didn't know about that one. Yeah, but, you know, it's Archeon. Yeah. It's Archeon, yeah. It's you know, and I don't mean to dwell off topic, but it's just he shows up here, and it's like seriously, when he shows up, it's like, oh, Archeon's here. Okay, our side's gonna lose now. Yeah, uh, and that's it. Like you're gonna lose. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. like e- even more than I mean, the Celestine Prime is extremely powerful in this book too, more so than I mean, he's already good on the tabletop, but yeah, even in this book, he really shines. All right, uh, but. Archeon again is. Just I don't think a Celestine Prime is going to have a chance against Archeon. Me I, did, I don't. I mean, the, uh, you, and I'm not talking on the tabletop. I'm talking no. in, in the fluff. You know, just like it would take like only a hundred Space Marines to placate yeah. a planet if need right. be, but never in a. You know, in on the tabletop, it's different. I'm saying in the fluff, I just don't see the Celestine Prime even wielding Galmaras. Now, granted, he dropped. You know he, you know he, 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 he does some amazing things in this book with yes. the help of all the other Stormcast. You know, I yep. just, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't see. I, yeah. the, I don't see Arkan allowing himself to get put into a position for the for the Celestin Prime to do what he did in this book to Archeon, Is what I'm. You know what I'm saying? No, no. Yeah. It's like yeah, what he did was amazing, but what he also did was very situational. You know, yes. And, yes. I mean, I don't. I'm not. I don't, I'm not trying to ruin the book ahead of time. I'm just as I was reading it, these are the impressions I was getting every time Archeon has shown up in the past couple of books. It's like, oh, that's it. You're all dead. Yep. Like everybody is dead. This is like this. This reminds me of, and I know I'm tangenting already. When I was reading the Horus Heresy, the first trilogy, when they're first on, when they're on Istvan Four, mm-hmm. when Angron dropped on the planet. Yes. And just basically dropped down. It was like, blarg! And like everything around him just went just, into red yeah. mist. Like, yes. you, like even the Space Marines looked at him and they turned around and they said, run. <laughs> exactly. Run. Yeah. They're like, Ang- Angron is, run. Like, and you watch Space Marines just run, like, just like, no, we're not, this is not a fight to have. It is time to run. Angron's here. Um, same sort of thing. Like, you see him, it's like, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's just and but and even though that happens, like I it, like they they I will say this: they're using him very sparingly. Yes, thankfully, because yeah, he he is overpowering. Yeah, he, or could be in the story. Yeah, because the way that they're the way that they are portraying him, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that he that it's like. He doesn't take the field unless it's absolutely necessary, and only when it's at that point in the plan where he has to be the one there. Right. So, I don't know. I just like I, said, I was super excited about this, but uh, that was just the one thing that really stood out of all this stuff. And I mean, there's a lot of really neat things that stand out in this book, but that's the one that stood out to me the most. Is it's just like, oh no, <laughs> like, like he's like, like I. Here he is, <laughs> and well, uh, look what he's done. And, well, and when he had that battle with Nagash, and it was like yeah. he whooped Nagash, and I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, you know what? He did, didn't he? That's right. Like, he whoops everybody. Yes. Like, it's literally going to take all of them teaming up to put this guy down or just to chain him, I'm thinking. to, to, to True. You know, uh, so okay, but you know what? No, I'm, I'm okay. Right. I've gone, I've gone far enough. Let's go. Let's get to the book. Okay, uh, God beasts. So we're jumping into uh, you know these under the blazing stars here. Um, this book is play, taking place on the same two places. Pretty much every book is taking place. We're in Akshi, and we're in the uh, the realm of life in, Ga- in Gairan. Right. Um, and basic the basic plot. Um, apparently, there are giant mythic uh you know these god beasts these titans these leviathans if you will mm-hmm. um that are a part of each of these realms that sort of you know are are they're part of the realms and uh Arcan has decided that if he can gain mastery over them like he's gained mastery over you know he he's already caught the the you know the the secret names of these uh you know, the Zinch uh, sorcerers and stuff like that. Right. Um, he's gaining all this power. He's got this plan. And this is a deep plan. Like, he's been setting these stuff in motion for a long time. Um, but the plan is to get these god beasts, which are, I mean, one is basically like a sun. You know, one has yes. basically got the power of a star behind it. And the right. other one is, 
an, an, an almost an entire it's like a whole section of a realm. It's like a you know the thing is miles high. They're yeah, the scale of it is staggering. Like yes. I thought I had trouble picturing the like like Titans when we're like doing after Eleanor stuff, mm-hmm. and these guys just like Titans are nothing compared to the like especially when you meet uh, Bayamot. It's Bayamot, just yeah. it's just it's ridiculous. Like. It's ridiculous how big these things are. Like even the pictures in here, I'm like, this picture is not right. Like I see what they're doing. This picture doesn't do it justice. Like Archeon next to Ignex, he is way too large. Yes. Like he should be like just a tiny little tiny tiny small as you could make him and still make him out in that picture. And he still might be too large. And yes. he still is just like, yeah, come on, I'll take you. I got yeah. you. Um, but his plan is to get a couple of these. He 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 basically. He needs to take down Sigmar. That's his plan. He knows if he can take down Sigmar, he wins everything. He will crush everything. Sigmar is the last holdout, uh, but he can't. Even even Arkan with all his power cannot break the gates of Azir. Right. So he can get into Sigmar's realm if he's got these two two. Oh, he's. There's apparently there's more god beasts. I'm assuming there's one for every realm. But his plan is if he can get like two, those, I mean that should be plenty. Yeah. Um. So he's got a plan to get the two from these two realms that are sort of in be, being contested. Uh, harness their power out of all of them. These two will do it, and he should be able to smash through all of Sigmar's defenses and get to him. And of course, he's confident once he gets to Sigmar, he'll win. He'll yeah. He'll take him. Yeah, I mean, he's confident he can take Sigmar, no problem. Right. Um, and I, you know what? He, he he may be right, based on he, what I've seen so far. Yep, quite possibly true. Yeah. Um, so that's like his big, that's his big plan. Uh, and it's just great. You know, um, I love that they talk about how he, like, like you mentioned, he stands apart from all the infighting and all the scheming. And that actually makes him more dangerous than all the chaos gods because they don't mess with his plans anymore. Mm-hmm. Because when they mess with his plans, he usually makes them pay for it, which is a crazy thing to even say. It is, isn't it? But it's like he helps them all. Like he's got all their backing. And if anyone really messes with them, he could just throw his backing a little heavier with the other three. Right. Or, so everyone just leaves him be as he is gives him the support he needs yeah they've basically learned that if you try to control him he's just gonna make things more difficult for you or make things easier for your three brothers who you know which nobody nobody wants that because the chaos gods are constantly fighting amongst each other yeah and and I, i mentioned only the four because he gives no he he cares <laughs> like this like the horned rat like he's just like go away like yeah he he so detests that they're even considered now in the chaos god pantheon like the yep. four gave him power and then the fifth sort of rose and mm-hmm. he's just he just detests them he's like oh. you're beneath me I was already here before you oh yeah <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> um. He's got uh, Kyathanus, I think that's his name. The he knows his true name, um, and 
Oh, what you find out here. Remember from the old books, Argentine, the silver worm, the one. Yes. The one. Um, this yes. is where you find out. He, he, you know, because remember, uh, Dracothian actually was fighting him. That was from the, I think, the first book when they were yes. climbing up this. You know, they had to get the him silver to, way. Yeah, he had to get him to move so that all the molten silver, so that his heat would go away, so it, so it would solidify. They could climb it. Yes. Um, he was all corrupted and turned evil, and you find out in this it, book it was Dracothian's son. Yeah. Yeah, it was Dracothian's son. Um, who corrupted him? Archeon. Surprise. Mm-hmm. It was Archeon's doing. Archeon went and messed with him. He had a plan to try to get him earlier. He can't get him now for some reason. Right now, he can't get to him. Um, maybe it's you know he. It, but it's like, oh, okay. Now we find out that that's why he was messed up because Archeon. Yep. And it's like, oh. so he's going to gather all the god beasts he can and send them against Sigmaron. He's going to force Sigmar to defend his own realm. Basically, if he's attacking with all this, Sigmar's got to pull all the Stormcast back. He's got to pull everything there, and he's going to have all of his enemies in one place, and he's confident he can surround them, crush them, destroy them. Boom. Done. That is just... The last bastion will fall. It, it's, it's not a bad plan, actually. It's not. I'm going to go, and I'm going to get these... Leviathan behemoth monstrosities and send them all right against your home so that you have to come home and defend your home. I know you're there, but you're going to have to call all your troops home, and then I'm going to have you exactly where I want you. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah. He's good. He's really good. He is. Uh, let's see. And it can work. Yeah. Um. One of the things I like about this opening is it really starts to describe some... Now, some of these maps make no sense. I had to look at them like four or five times, and until you start actually reading the stories, you're like, this still doesn't really make sense. Like, as I look at the place, they're insane. These places, the realms, like, they've just got it, floating land masses. They're, they're not planets. They're just... No, it's... I, I, think, I think it's finally starting to make sense when you get to this book because i think what we've been trying to do is think about these realms as worlds as kind of in the the mindset of of the old world um and trying to make you know trying to put a round peg into a square hole um and that's not what we're talking about with these realms they're completely magically based there's the laws of physics and nature and and space and time as we understand it as human beings here on this planet do not really seem to apply to the Age of Sigmar worlds. Not at realms. all. Exactly. You can't picture this as eight realms like eight planets in a solar system where they're just eight separate things. Like you said, they're, they're basically realms – The they're the eight winds of magic made into realms. And so yeah. they're going to have this sort of almost, you know, this is like the stuff you learned in history class when you learned about early, early civilizations and their creation myths. Mm-hmm. Where it didn't have to work like that. You know, the, you know, the earth is actually the back of the giant space turtle and we're all right. living on the, you know, it's like, okay, and yeah. then, okay, I got you. The- yeah, the light, the tree of life that yeah, and the world is in the yeah on the top of the tree, and and yeah, the gods are living above us, and they look down upon us, and 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 there's actually yeah, Asgard, and you know these yeah. types of realms, the gods, you know, people used to believe the gods were just up in the clouds, and um, 
so yeah, it's it's that kind of concept. There's yes. literally just giant floating islands above certain realms. Like the weirdest thing to me is just the idea that you could just walk right off the edge of your realm. Like, and it seems like you can do that. There are realms where it's just like, well, and you just step off. I don't know where you're going to go. Yeah. What what happens to you? You fall off the. I mean, I mean, you, you fall off the float. You fall <laughs> off the ones that are floating above the main land, and and that's something else that happens in here. Everything is being fought on two front battles in this book. You've got the main area in Akshi, and you've got all the floating realms above Akshi, and there's mm-hmm. battles going on simultaneously in both areas. Which actually, right. in some of the battle plans, they have the battle plans are linked. Like you know, and we'll talk yep. about that when we get to battle plans. It's some really good stuff. But the same thing's happening in uh, in Gairan, in uh, in the realm of life, with the giant, weird, like you know, like three hundred and fifty degree circle. Like it's just almost all, but not quite connected. Almost like a like a like a like something you, like a necklace you could slip around, or one of those solid mm-hmm. ones, uh, connected by a giant umbilicus. So you got this giant weird thing floating above it. Like it, it, and there's literally a part where they jump off of this. Thing yes. in one part, so it's like yes, you could fall off. Yes, like it's just it's the weirdest, most insane world. It's, it's you know, it's I look at some of these places, I'm like, okay, scariest environment imaginable. That's pretty much where you live. Scariest environment imaginable. As a person who doesn't like heights, I'm like, oh great, <laughs> your whole world, literally, the world is flat. You could fall off it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, all right. I mean. Now that I understand that, I, I got it. I don't like it, but I got it. Yep. Uh, yeah, the, I think it's page 22 and 23 actually has a map of the Ashlands where the, the beginning of this book takes place. Yep. And and it shows you in – in actually, it's a really nice picture. Um, it is, but it, once again, uh, that's another one I looked at and said, what, what, what is going on? Yeah, it took me a f- couple chapters past this. And then flipping back to this and continuing to read and start to put it together and really kind of make it click in my head of, okay, I've been thinking about this all wrong. Yeah. And the, th- the fact is the, the pictures aren't even like proportionate because like the land of the chain sun is really huge. Like there's millions and millions of, of, of Dwarden living Yes. Apparently, or that we're living in the land of the chained sun at some point, and some of them are now. You know, so it's like you look at the picture, like that. That, that actually is a, is a huge, huge place, right? And you look at these chains holding Ignax down, and you're like, okay, is this some sort of, you know, symbolic representation? Like when you see some of these old drawings of these world maps and stuff. You're like, no, actually, that's literal. There are giant yeah. chains in this world holding this, holding this floating land down. Because it would fly away because it's chained up to Ignax, who would make it fly away. It's like, what is this? Is insanity. This is so <laughs> awesome. Like, it is. It's just, it really sort of bends your brain when you read it for the first time. You're like, okay, wait. This is what now? Now I'm finally getting used to it. Like, when I first read this, I was just like, oh, yeah, this doesn't make sense, but I'm just going with it. Like, yeah. this world's are just, they're too much for me, but I'm going with it. I've never been, you know, I like my planets round. Where you could just walk, you know, and these aren't planets. They're just crazy realms of magic. Yes. So now, actually, he's got all these little sub-realms known as the Flame Worlds, which is all these little places there. Um, They used to be thriving little mini-continents, and now they're pretty much all but destroyed. Thanks, Chaos. 
You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like how they describe the hinterlands of us. It's asphyxia is one of the. I love all these yes. names. Every name is always really appropriate. You know, you're going to choke to death in asphyxia. Um, that had used to have populous nations. Um, now. Uh, few were left, and they fought with indignant fury and rugged determination against the cornate war bands that attacked them. Even Sigmar was impressed by the resilience and warrior spirit. Thus, he sent his hammer hands first among all his strike chambers to save those mortals from the gore tide as its rapacious hordes swept over the lands. So you're already finding out who these, what's kind of going on with these people, and he's coming down to save them. Um, so many hammer hands are still being reforged reforged including vandus because remember archaeon gutted him yes um you've got basically got yeah iona's cryptborn and about 80 stormcast yeah mostly paladins yep which is good because they're tough yes i'll take some retributors let them swing those hammers man yeah uh they come with eight other storm hosts including the tempest lords and the tempest lords are are actually pretty awesome Mm-hmm. Um, their backstory is just great. Uh, basically, every one of these guys was a, was a mortal lord or or royalty or noble. Right. Um, and they, I love how they they cling to this. They were basically told by Sigmar that they are worth twelve warriors of any other race. And so now, <laughs> basically, when they when they get sent down, they keep track of how many kills they get. And if they get sent back to Sigmar, if they get you know well killed. And sent back for their reforging without at least 12 kills under their belt. They've wasted a life. Even though they're being reforged, they've wasted a life. And it says, well, they'll come back reforged and it will take them years to sort of live down the shame of not getting their, their minimum 12 kills in. Right. Because for them, 12 kills equals just the worth of their, just that, their one self. So like 12 counts as one. So it's like, you know, yep. basically I killed at least one guy before I died if I killed 12. Mhm. So they're a bit they're a bit fanatical. A little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so they get down here and they start of course they're fighting and they're trying to free the lands. The fighting is so vicious it draws Valkia's attention, which is yes. always awesome. It is. I love Valkia. She's great. She really is. Uh, they've she really is. done a great job. She's one of those characters that transferred over to this version of the game really well she did you know she's i whenever i can i field her in in my army because i just i love her background in fluff and i i just think i i've even i've read the novel i i just think she's awesome yeah she is i agree um so there's so much blood it draws the attention of the dark gods um over time you know the eight storm hosts that come down become seven and then they become six. <laughs> you know, they're losing mm-hmm. hosts. And this and this battle is not slowing down at all. And that's nope. that's one of the things that, you, that I think you really need to almost hammer home here. And as I'm reading it, it's very nonchalant in the way it points out that they these battles went on with Valkyrie's troops for weeks. Yes. Weeks and weeks of basically running battles where they would, you know, and I mean, you know, hey, I don't know. Maybe they stopped and, you know, at, at some point, you know, at some point, some of these battles, the, you know, the enemy pulled back. Everybody sort of regrouped. I don't know how long. I'm not saying it went for weeks and weeks without any stop whatsoever. Right. Um, but these battles went on for weeks. Yeah. 
the bodies just keep piling up and piling up like snowdrifts. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And then finally, Corgus Cool shows up because he's looking for Vandis Hammerhand. Right. Well, he was tricked into coming there. Yes, he was. By by Skinskeen. Skinskeen. Come on down and help. And there's well, there were Stormcast Eternals there. Yes. So and, and there like, were Hammerhands hey. there. Yeah, there's Stormcast here. There's the, the, the golden ones, the ones you hate, particularly are here. Come on down and help us and we'll make sure you get them. And he shows up, and there's not that many of them there. No. And, and not Skinsky the ones also promised that if you come and you attack from the right flank, I'll show up with my demon forces on the left flank, and we'll just scissor them in and crush them. But and he lied. He doesn't show up. <laughs> no, he doesn't show up at all. I don't understand the point so much. Well, it says in there that apparently there was some debt – that Skinskeen wanted to repay Corgus Ghoul for. I don't remember reading anything in the previous books or fluff. I don't. It's his thing. I don't either. And it just seems like a weird thing to do. Like, hey, I'm going to just call this random guy who I know hates them and have him come over here. And like, we actually could. I mean, if he'd have joined them, it would have worked. It would have worked. But it's like, no, I'm just going (laughs) to sucker. Like, I was like, okay, I get it. But he's I still trying kinda, to get Corgus killed. Is I, what it yeah, is I mean, for some slight in the past. Well, that's a stupid move because that's yeah, that's just a dumb idea. Yeah, it backfires on him too. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and this is kind of where the story, like, basically, Corgus Cool is over there, and he's just he's showing up and he's trying to kill him. He's mad because he cannot get well, to yeah. them. Also, the, there's like some weird uh, pe- like. Don't they have the Asphyxians here are also sort of fighting, but they're they're obviously not as good as the Stormcast. And everybody's getting weak and slowing down. Yes. And this is and where I, you – go ahead. I actually liked how they there's finally human normal people fighting for the first time. We're seeing – I mean they're showing pictures of essentially flagellants um, oh, yeah. running to battle. Um, but – I, I like that we're finally seeing some of the humans that have been s- managing to live through this age of chaos uh, fighting back. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, they showed up and every all the people they found were just like weird, sort yeah. of like just the last dregs who had almost no fight left in them. Here they're finding a couple of groups who are like, we've been praying for you to get here. We're ready. Let's fight. It's like, all right. Good. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's bring these guys in. Yeah, um, we got cannon fodder. Put them in the front. <laughs> well, and that was the thing. They're the anvil, and the stormcast yeah. are the hammer. There, there's a lot of them, and they're enough to slow them down and distract them, so that the stormcast can get the. Hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yep. Um, but there is this weird sort of sloth that's take you know the the their sloth. Yeah, sloth like nature to everybody. Yeah, and everyone's starting to slow down, and that's. That's what they're both noticing. Valky is like her troops are slowing down. Her human, you know, chaos troops, chaos mm-hmm. are slowing down. The Asphyxians are slowing down. Everyone's getting sort of like tired, and they're all blaming each other, right? Because she's like, Corn would never take. You know, this is this isn't happening from us. Corn would never. Slow. He wants the. He wants them raging and attacking. She's like, this is coming from you guys, and I own his because they're actually she's actually talking to to Cripboard. Yes. Cripporn's like, Cripporn's like, um, look, I can see, I can literally see 
the the this this sort of this sloth and this slowing everyone slowing down and getting tired. He goes, and this is not our doing. And I said, like, oh wait a minute, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's making everybody tired and just oh boy. Okay, so you can see Nurgle's hands sort of slipping in here uh, yes. before we get to the first big battle plan, which we'll talk about some of the battle plans later. Actually, right now, before we get uh, to this next section, let's take a break. All right. uh, When we come back, we'll join up with the Royal Victrians, and uh, they're a pretty cool bunch, and we'll see what's going on with them and uh, how this story continues next. Gorgos Cool shouted in denial as a wall of killing heat roared across the battlefield, cutting him and his gore chosen off from those few hammerheads he had finally located. His demon allies were not there to entrap them, and now the Golden Stormcast would escape again, or worse still, be slain by Valkia instead. The intensity of Cool's rage threatened to consume his mind in the fires of madness forever. He gave himself to it, taking his axe to friend and foe alike with blind abandon. A horned visage loomed amongst the crimson clouds of his fury, a visage feared even by the mightiest lords of chaos. Cool, said the vision. Put aside your madness. I must have the god beasts, the solar drake. But first, the flames of defiance must burn low. Corgus Cool growled eyes unfocused and lips spattered with pink froth as a blow from his axe tore a swollen Nurgle worshipper in two. What is that to me? You will do as I bid you, cool. Step through the portal my gaunt summoners offer you. The Seraphon, cool. They are the key. Events unfold too fast for their star masters to follow. Strike at Orb Infernia while the strings of fate grow taut. You have the tools for it. Cool raged, but a sliver of reason pierced his mind as the voice continued on. The demons that deserted you, they languish there on the orb. Give them their due. I'll kill them all, shouted Cool, blood splashing his face as his rampage continued. Kill! Kill! Kill or burn, said Archaon appearing huge in the skies as the firestorm raged closer. It is your choice, mortal. A strange swirl of red fog appeared before Corgus Cool. He gave voice to a war cry and charged, the call taken up by his gore chosen. Together they plunged through the portal of mist before them, just as the firestorm raged past. Then all was darkness. And we're back, back with more, more of God Beasts. All right, so um, there's a chamber here, uh, the Royal Victrians. And uh, 
there this is an interesting uh basically they were this entire house this whole dynasty of rulers and they were good rulers and they were fair rulers and the whole family was like full of really decent charismatic yeah and they were just all heroes like every one of them was a hero no infighting none of that stuff like they had a they had a leader the head of the family and everyone underneath it was just like gung-ho we're gonna fight chaos we're gonna stop this stuff this is the only group that anybody knows of where sigmar just was like you know what i'm taking you all yeah and that was just like, like they and they showed up and they basically, you know, the the the, the Lord, the, you know, the Lord, who, <laughs> who he becomes the Lord Celestine, who was the was the basically the king becomes Lord Celestine, and everyone in his family becomes either, uh, you know, well in in game terms they either become a character, or or the head a, a prime, right? Every, and so it's like basically all the primes in this chamber. And all the characters in this chamber, all the all the all the heroes, are all members of this actual house in their past life. Right. It's really like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's really unique. Yeah, it's the first time you're hearing something like this, and I really liked that idea. I thought it was great. Um, and I like their color scheme too. Yes, you know, I'm, it's it's weird because I'm coming across a lot of these different houses that are really cool with neat color schemes. And I'm like, I'm not going to paint five different armies and five different colors. I'm sticking with the hammer hands. I like how my hammer hands look. But yep. some of these look pretty cool. You know, yeah. I got to say, I think my favorite so far of the off colors, though, of these colors games I'm watching, I'm looking mm-hmm. at, uh, the, the, you know, the really dark ones, the Tempest Lords are really cool. They are, With the yes. dark. But I think my favorite are these ones that are like that weird ivory cream colored ones. Yeah. Those are really yeah. sharp. Like I wouldn't even know how to paint those. Yeah, that would be a challenge. But they look really cool. Like the models and the drawings and the uh, of those guys. I'm like, I like that. Like that's I like that color scheme a lot. They're not white. They're that weird cream color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's, yeah, it's I a sharp it one. It is very eye catching. All right, so let's see. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. The Tempest Lords. These are yeah. The Tempest Lords of the Twelve Men. So they're there. The Royal Victrians are there. Um, he comes down. The Tempest Lords come down, and uh, they're all. The, the, so that's the two. The two units that are coming up, uh, and they wind up having to face um, the Rotbringer Blob. Or, yeah, Blob Rot. Yes, Blob Rot Spawn. Yeah. yeah. So you've got uh, in this part, Corn Bloodbound are raging across actually again. The Tempest Lords. Uh, um, basically, they they quickly uh, the Tempest Lords know how to play the Corn Bloodbound. They basically take their rage, yep, and they, um, you know, but they're, they they just let them attack or let them charge at them, and then just fall back and and draw them in. Yes. Um, now, before this happens, before they realize how much they can manipulate their rage, they weren't like quite ready for it. I don't think because they talk about how just these guys come blazing in and it's just like lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. They're just going like entire retinues are getting sent back for reforging. Yes, and that's when they realize, wait a minute, these guys are just berserkers. 
Yeah, we can't fight them like this. Yeah, and basically they pull what the the old eighth edition frenzied troop thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put my unit one inch in front of you at a good angle, so I'm going to just lead you off that way. So you overrun off the table, and then you have to come back on the next turn. And I'm going to basically occupy you and run you where I want you, right? For half the battle, and that's basically what they do. They just they lead them around by the nose because they're so, you know, full of just out of control. Yeah, total berserkers that they just can be led around by the nose. And it actually it's their one weakness because they are tough. Yes, you know they're they are a match for the stormcast. You know, in just their in the fighting. There's so Easily. many of them, and there's you know maybe they're not as maybe they're not as good a fighter man to man, but there's so many of them, and they're just such berserkers that they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one thing. It, so we're at the the beginning of the Curse of the Rotbringer, and this is actually still part of Archeon's overall major plan. Yes. So so he actually sent Rotspawn to this location specifically. To spread his plague, right to the and, and to infect the god beasts. Yeah, because apparently, what you find out, Ignax is, um, is uh, you know, he's basically like this uh, uh, another another Star Drake, uh, 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 and mm-hmm. he's a, he's a he, he he looks like a giant floating star, a sun, but it's actually he's this big fire dragon, and yes. he's chained to. The planet now, as 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 long as there's battle and tension and fighting going on, all of that it, it kind of reminds you of how chaos was even drawn to the old world. How it's all the emotion and stuff draws them. Yes, yes. Uh, it's all that fighting and all that rage. He it picks up him. on that and it feeds him, and he and he burns hotter and he burns uh, crazier and 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 faster and just more full of rage. So you need to sort of like calm everybody down right in order to calm without all that bloodlust ignax will then sort of calm down enough where he can where arcan can do his thing and try to basically control him right because otherwise he's just going to get so hot he's going to burn everything up yeah so it's just like if he can kill if he can if he could drop this whole spirit of war ignax will well, but first he's got to get it burning really hot. Like he's got to have this huge battle going right. to get Ignax. It's basically he's going to get him running full speed, and so then when it drops, Ignax will be exhausted. It's not just he got to bring him down; he's got to bring him down when he's exhausted. So he's got to keep. Right. So this war's been going for weeks and months. Now it's time to send in Blow Rotspawn. Right. This, this is a really. It's like. Well thought out plan. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like he is really dangerous. Um, I thought this was interesting though. Uh, Iona's Cryptborn. Uh, he would when in his reforging, his voice now is kind of a whisper. Yes. It's like you lost your voice in this latest reforging. Like, how does that happen? Well, I think it it happened due to him having to go through the realm of death. Possibly. And- and so he's got more of a raspy, kind of necromantic type of voice, you know, what you would hear 
um, you, you, what you would imagine from a necromancer, you know, that kind of dry, raspy sounding voice. That's totally possible. That's totally possible that that's what it is. I just thought it was interesting that of all the afflictions, like that's the weird thing that happened to him. Because you've seen guys come through in other stories and they all act a little weird. He comes through without these. And it's like he can't shout out orders. When the battle gets really loud, he can't shout out to his men because he literally can't shout. It's not just that it's raspy. Yeah. It's that he's like he can only talk in like whisper. He's only got this like, wow, you lost your voice in the reforging? Like you would think like you'd come out and be like, hey, Sigmar, can we do something about this? Because how can I shout orders to my men? It was just a weird thing to happen. I mean, it It works and it's fine. Yeah. But it was just I was like, okay, that's an odd thing. Um. So basically, you know, the battle goes, and all of these, these little rot flies start showing up, and they start biting like gnats. And of course, right. everyone they bite is infected with this sort of this plague of apathy. You know, they're just like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm tired. So the battle sort of winds down, and Ignex has now finally calmed down, and Nurgle's army arrives with Blobratspawn leading them, like we said. Um. Right. And this gets really interesting. Um, this is where Valkia prays to Corn yes. for help. She's like, "This isn't right. You need uh, like they're they're calming down. Like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. This cannot be tolerated. We yeah. need more blood." <laughs> well, I mean, and think about that. The corn. I mean, these corn. The you know the the. Think about all this stuff when we covered the when we covered the Bloodbound book, like. These guys can't calm down. Like that, right. that's like, and I could just see. I could just. I'm just picturing the perplexed, confused sort of like. She's like, wait, what? So she literally stops to pray to corn. I don't know what's going on, but something bad is happening. Like these guys, blood for the blood god. Like that is not supposed to be possible. No. So she's like, I need something. So all of a sudden, you start after she starts praying. You see this like sort of way off in the in in space in the distance. You see this like red flash, mm-hmm. and then there's this like red light in the sky that slowly they're shimmering, slowly getting larger. Uh, and Iona sees this and he's like, Okay, uh, I'm gonna wait and see what that is. Yeah. I got some ideas, but I'm I biting don't think my it's good. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. But, you know, I need more information if I'm going to actually put together a plan here. Now, he's got an idea. I mean, they've fought enough, and they've been fighting yeah. Nurgle enough where he's catching on pretty quick. He knows what's happening. He's got a plan. Right. Um, and I love this part in here. Uh, when, the, when the Decimator Prime uh, Maliscon protests, uh, Lord <laughs> Vandis would have attacked instead of standing by. Iona simplifies, Vandis isn't here. I love that. It's just like, you just know, put him in a place. Exactly. Because he's like, oh, we should attack. No, we're going to see exactly what's happening here. I need more information. Vandis would have attacked. Vandis isn't here. Like, yeah, I'm in charge right now. Sit down. Yes. <laughs> it's like, shut up. Uh, and it's fantastic. Um, and it looks bad for the Stormcast Eternals. They're caught between uh, Nurgle and they're and they've got that going and on. Corn. Yeah, they got the corn bloodbound on the other side. Uh and it's just looking bad. All this it violence is. is happening. And then of course the Celestine Prime arrives. 
Right. Oh, but before that, right before that, one thing that I thought was kind of another nice little uh, flashback is Torglug the Despise returns. Well, he shows up, yeah, with the Celestine Prime. Yes. Yes. Uh, and it's funny because the Celestine Prime arrives and he's got some of these, you know, some of the, 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 the guys that come in on the, uh, you know, on the wings where they're flying in. And one Night Venator looks and sees Blow Rotspawn there and just tears off right after him. Yep. And there's that's Torgler. It's like, no, I owe you. Like he is so he's still bitter. Like I mean, and I don't blame him. No, no. <laughs> I mean, he was basically a a, a really good uh, you know, he was a, a very good uh um, you know, one of the uh Wait, he was one of the great warriors against chaos. Right. And uh you know, he got basically trapped and tortured until he wound up brainwashed and, and siding for Nurgle and then fought for Nurgle forever, destroying so much of that stuff in the realm of life. Um, just doing so much damage. And then it was the Celestine Prime who smashed him and, and was just like with that hammer. He knew that there was still good in him and that he gets so he gets this second chance. But, man, he sees Blow Broadspawn and he just goes after him yeah yeah um payback yeah uh the celestin prime meanwhile he's got the rest of his retinue there and they he just when he shows up the remaining stormcast eternals are just like you know oh i feel much better now i'm ready to fight more yep um they route corn and nurgle's forces at this point they just start smashing them but of course the battle is not over yet prime comes in and just yeah, it does a hammer strike into the ground, just obliterates hundreds of warriors in one strike, and yeah, it kind of turns the tide and then rallies everybody. Yeah, and yeah, once they see that happen, they're all just like, okay, second wind, let's go. Yep. But of course, the battle is far from over. Um, there's something going on called the pyroclasm, which is sort of like a cataclysm, except with lots of fire, apparently. Yes. Uh, now, the, basically, there's these giant fireballs that are falling down, and this is this big fire storm. Like, it's just, it's literally like a storm, like a well, it's fire, yeah, hurling fireballs just crashing into the into the ground. Right, but this yeah, is not that thing that down. that Valky was praying for. This is apparently something that happens on this planet. Yes, yes. Or on this on this realm because now if you're hit by one of these asphyxian fireballs, you are basically turned into a statue of ash. And they've seen other statues of ash in this place. And they were looking at these statues that look all ashy going, "What is with all these statues? Some of them are downright <laughs> creepy. They look all upset and and some of them look scared and you're like, "Oh, now I know what those were. Those things that they just mentioned in passing before, which they kept mentioning. I'm like, "Why do they keep mentioning them?" Now they're getting hit by them and turning into these little ashy statues. Right. And this storm hits everyone. It's not picking sides. It's a, it is it is a force. Uh, it is literally a force of nature here. Um, it's just destroying everything. Celestine Prime is smashing the heck out of everything. He's calling down comets. Um, it, it just this is just the the violence level and throughout this book is just constantly ramped up to eleven. Like there's there are it's all fighting all the time. And um, can I just say, when I'm playing my corn bloodbound against my friend Stormcast, I absolutely hate it when he drops comments on me. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> it does a lot of damage. It does a lot of damage. It's really annoying, and I don't have anything that does anything like that. Well, but then I don't field Archeon, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just yeah, go ahead and field Archeon. Then he'll just be like, well, okay, I'm going to throw some yeah. comments and then die. So it, right. But uh, <laughs> Corn's Red Fireball finally arrives, and guess who? It's Scarbrand. Yes. Um. Basically, it's a comet that's got Scarbrand. So <laughs> it's not even a comet containing Scarbrand. Scarbrand is the comet because the comet. <laughs> he's basically been transported in Corn's favorite way to transport him. Corn grabs him, you know, smashes him up like a baseball, mm-hmm. and then just throws him at the battle he wants him to fight in because yes. it's painful and torturous. And Corn hates him. Yeah, and Corn just yeah, Corn's never going to stop punishing him. Right. The Scarbrand, the whole story is just great. It is just he gets so full of rage and so full of that thinking he's so bad that he could take on Corn. Goes and hits him as hard as he can with his axe right in the neck. I'm going to decapitate you. Barely even scratches. Corn's yep. like you hit me. Like what? And that's it for so that forever. Forever. Now he's just beaten on. So Corn basically she prays and Corn's like here take Scarbrand picks him up and throws him across space. Um, he lands and of course he, he's 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 like it's like sending Doomsday basically. He's just he's <laughs> ang- he, he he does. I mean, okay, the comet letters and he kills dozens of Tempest Lords just by smashing into the ground at such an amazing rate and his size. He mm-hmm. causes this crater. Killing tons of things around him. Then he stands up and the killing really begins. Yeah. The body count, the numbers, if you've got a tally thing going, it just started going a lot faster. Yes. Um, now, meanwhile, this is going on. Corgus Cool is still getting angry because if you remember before, they got a little side thing going on. He he got basically you know, ditched by Skin Skeen. Yeah. Uh, and this is, a- yeah, Archeon comes to him in a vision and says, um, listen, you need to go to this place. And he's like, why do I even care? He's like, uh, the guy who set you up, he's there. I need you to go there. The slam's there. I need you to just go up there and kill everything. Just kill stuff. You can get your revenge on the guy who sent you here and then kill all the slam. I need you to do this. So go do it. And you know when Archeon tells you to go do it, yeah, you kind of listen. Plus, you know, hey, he's giving him what he wanted. Yeah. So they basically, all of a sudden, basically, a portal opens, and they walk through it, and they're gone. They're out of the this battle. Yep. Uh, him and his On followers. To the next. Yep. But Skybrand isn't, and he's still wreaking havoc because that's what Skybrand does. He's good at it. He is. Uh I love this. Lord Celestine Victrian comes rushing up and smashes Scarbrand in the jaw like full on hammer and then runs. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like, because there's a plan here, but it's so funny. He just hauls a crack and Scarbrand. It, it kind of reminds you of. It, it, I always picture that part in Terminator 2 when the Terminator shows up to get Sarah Connor and right. that, that security guard lady with the broken arm like hits him with her, with her uh, cast. His yes. her, and like his head turns sideways and his glasses are a little skew and then he kind of turns back and looks at her and it's like mm. uh oh like yeah. I just <laughs> and uh, wrong thing yeah. wrong thing to do 
And this is hysterical because basically Scarbrand, knowing like, kind of everybody, like like people, if you've been around a while, you know who this guy is. Like he shows up and you're like, oh, oh, it's that guy. Even if you don't know his name, you know who he is. Yeah. Um. So he just basically runs headlong in with his some of his troops into like the the biggest pack of Nurgle uh, servants. Yeah. And Scarbrand goes chasing after him, and of course Scarbrand's going to kill anything standing in front of him. Right. So he just wades into the middle and just starts destroying all these Nurgle guys. And while Victrian sort of ducks between him and ducks down low and 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 you know does a little you know. Uh, duck and cover and a little weave and hide and a little turn back and he joins his troops meanwhile Scarbrand is just routing through these Nurgle troops yeah and, <laughs> that, was, that was smart <laughs> yeah but it's just so funny I'm just gonna run up to him punch him in the jaw and then run oh God, it's so silly it um, meanwhile the Celestine Prime is, is out fighting and he realizes that this pyroclasm is not affecting the Asphyxians right when this yeah. thing crashes by them, it doesn't hurt them, and it's actually not crashing by them too terribly often. And when it does, it's not turning them into ash. Right. So he tells the Stormcast, "Hey, go stand Grab by them. these guys. Yeah, this is the you know this is the safe place to stand at the body system. Exactly. And so they're like, okay, and they do. Um, and so the Stormcast are sort of figuring out what to do." <laughs> Scarbrand is rampaging through the Nurgle's the Nurgle uh, servants. Uh, Blow Broadspawn is caught between the Selizen Prime and Scarbrand, and the new improved Torglug, who is just coming at him. Yeah. So he's like, you know what? Forget this place. I'm out. And he bails. He just he yeah. t- He's like, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> his his um. Demon spawn that he rides, uh, bile spurter, yeah. just suddenly sprouts wings and they take off. Oh, uh, hey, you know what? It, it, he, yep, that's that's how that works. Yep. I, I'm going with it. Um, so, you know, Iona's Cryptborn is looking around. And he's like, you know what? We're in trouble too. Like this is. I'm glad that he's smashing through the Nurgle guys, but this is still this is still Scarbrand. Yeah. Um, now he's looking around, and there's this thing, this thing called the Crystal Henge, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's like it, it it's a, well, it's like Stonehenge, but it's made of crystal, and it just floats in the air above this certain area in Asphyxia, get, with all this fire and stuff floating around it, um, and he gets a plan. Don't ask me how he figured this out, but he realizes basically this is sort of kind of a realm gate, or it's a thing that will pull them up above the the thing. It'll like suck them up this through this hinge, the power. Yeah, and will take them to another sort of different, basically different area up through the crystal hinge. So he calls. He uses power to call the lightning. Right, and he uses the lightning to somehow trap the pyroclasm, the storm. So his lightning storm surrounds the other storm, and he drags it and uses that and kind of controls it. And the power of the storm lifts all of them up through the crystal henge. Right, creates a vortex of sorts. And- yeah, and uh, basically, that's you know the uh, it, and it takes everybody. It takes. The Stormcast Eternals, it takes the Chaos Worshippers, it takes the Asphyxians, even Scarbrand. Even Scarbrand, yep. 
Like, it takes all of them. Like, he basically just grabs the whole battle because of this this tempest. These like I'm picturing it like a tornado, tornadoes of fire and wind and, uh, you know, this. And it just sucks it all together in one area and focuses mm-hmm. that power. And it just sucks everybody up. Yeah. Yep. Way up in the air. And good for them. And then we get to the next battle plan because that's, you know. That's like the, uh, that's as much as he can do right now, yeah. and that's they're getting sucked up, and then we sort of this is where, um, now we're gonna cut to somewhere else, right? This is sort of where <laughs> getting sucked. Uh, his plan to suck the whole battle and take the battle somewhere else is where they break, and now they're gonna cut to, uh, explaining Orb Infernia, which is one of these other floating realms above, uh. The Aphyxia Islands. Yeah. Um, It's a cool story, and it's coming up next. And I think, you know what? Let's, you know what? It's about time for a break. So why don't we. It's a good place. Yeah, why don't we take one? And uh, we'll take a break here. And when we come back, we'll do the story of Orb Infernia. Uh, Continuing the story of God Beasts. folks it's dave are you looking for that special model to add to your army a monstrous creature or maybe a character model something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table well then you should check out mierce miniatures at mierceminiatures.com their darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see and with the success of their recent kickstarter Those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com and seriously guys, you'll be glad you did. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. And we are back once again for God Beasts and Orb Infernia, the now, Cursed Sphere. Yeah. Um, okay, this is just, okay. I'm just going to read the intro because I'm just like, oh, okay. Because uh, it took me a while to 
I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Uh, let's see. As war raged across the Ashlands, Orb and Fernia gazed down from the sky, a baleful eye watching the struggles of mortals below. Beneath its blood-red clouds unfolded a long war between four dark princes and a starborn mage. Its outcome would alter the fates of all who fought for the flame world. So I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. So uh, uh, long ago, Orb and Fernia was a glittering sky kingdom whose proud people sailed Akshi's cosmic sprawl. Miners and artisans, the inhabitants of the orb, traded with countless nations. The rulers were famed for the grandeur of their visits. None now remember the name of those bejeweled kings. The Age of Chaos turned their domain into demon-haunted wastelands, its sea consumed by sorcerer's beasts, until its continents floated above an empty world held together by dark magics. Uh, Archeon gave... Orb- okay, now there's four basically floating realms, areas, all right. floating around a center area, a fifth center. Right. Archeon gave it to his four most troublesome demon princes. So the four demon princes that are under Archeon's control, the four that are giving him the most hassle, he gives them each one of the four realms, but basically tells them that the whole realm is really supposed to be theirs. Right. <laughs> and then, he keeps them busy. And then just, yeah, and then just leaves them there. And they've been spending forever fighting, and he's like, basically, one of them is going to win and kill the other three, and then I'll have one guy who I can who's worth my time, and you know, is won't, you know, I, he's taking care of these other pests for me, right? Except Lord Zenfantica shows up, this slan mage priest, who basically realizes that none of these guys are. It, it, any of these guys winning, any of these guys are going to cause a lot of trouble. Yeah. So he basically takes the center place, the center uh, island on this place, and just keeps them from ever figuring Acquiring. out that, yeah, that it keeps them, any, any of them from dominating the other three, keeps them from working together, because basically once they figure out if they all were to attack and go towards the center all of their realms would move toward it if they all sort of went after it. And once they all sort of joined, um, they would have the power. There's a realm gate there and all sorts of stuff. Uh, so basically, this this land has just sat around in this center area um, just playing one against the other. In mm-hmm. uh, Now, is it New Gatoria? That's what how I think it's pronounced. Yeah. So we got this. We got all the lizard men, and they live in New Gator World, yeah. New Gatoria. Great. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the other four realms are all conveniently named and 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 have the traits of the four chaos gods. So right. they all have one. Um, but basically, if they ever sort of work together, they can go in, get to New Gatoria, sort of conquer it, and take this realm gate to these other places. Um, and he's kept them. And they don't even realize how long they've been fighting. Like he's been kept them at each other's throats for like thousands of years. Yeah, millennia. Yeah, yeah. So these guys have been fighting. They don't even realize how long they've been up there fighting against each other, all trying to take this this one little place from each other because he's playing them off against each other. It's it's a it's a clever but weird sort of thing that's going on here. Um, let's see. What else do I have written down here? Um, 
Yeah, it's the Zinch demon that basically realizes all they need to get mm-hmm. to Nugatoria, and then their realms will get closer. They'll have access to the realm gate. They can get down to the Ashlands and really start smashing stuff. So right. the, the, yeah, he, he comes up with a plan to to convince the other demon lord, demon princes, to work with him. But nobody fully trusts him for some reason. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> he basically strikes a truce. And here's where you see, like, you know, one guy figures out after millennia that they're being stupid. After millennia of infighting and backstabbing and says, listen, truce. And, of course, they're like, yeah, right. And so they all start marching in to attack. And, of course, Lord Zenfantica just, you know, sends Does his, it again? Yeah, he sends his skinks out and just pulls dirty tricks on one of them. Like, you know, so, hey, did, I bet that was you that did that. I'm not with you anymore. It just breaks them up so easily right. again. Um, well, of course, yeah. Corn doesn't trust magic. and <laughs> Yeah, so he basically easy. plays them. He goads Corn. Um, he and then he attacks the Slaneshi lands. He basically sends out his guys to attack Slaneshi's lands. Slaneshi, uh, the Slaneshi pr- demon prince is like, okay, which one of you guys? The second I empty out my lands and bring my guys in here to fight with to help you guys, does one of you guys attack us? I'll oh, forget it. I'm out. He goes home to to fight in his land. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he does that, his lands start to recede from. New Gatoria, uh, but basically that's that's sort of where it gets up to. Is he just keeps playing them against each other? And then we get a nice little battle plan again, right? Uh, where they're manipulating, you know, um, each other. And this is where you could play a two-player game or even up to a five-player game because you're playing one guy against the other four. Uh, yeah, and you get an Orbinfernia time of war as well here, right? Uh, and we'll talk yes. about those later. Yeah, first time of war in the in the book so far, but yeah, right. But oh, I love the I love those. I, I need to I need to sit down one day and just go through all of the source books and figure out what all the different places for times of war are and where they are in the book. So I just have like a, a list, a catalog, because they're all so they they all add such a little fun twist when you're playing. Yeah, um, yeah, they do. So okay, so uh, back to Corga's cool. Um, he's yeah. He's shows up at Orb Infernia, just when you think, you know, the the Slend is like, okay, I I, I got him again. The Slanesh left. Corn uh, is 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 not going to play this game either. He thinks people are screwing around. Uh, I've weakened them enough. They're not going to get through this. And then Corgus Cool shows up. Now he yep. shows up at Orb Infernia, and he's basically uh, the land of Gordro, which is the the corn land. He shows up there first, and the chaos demons and all that are sort of disorganized. Like, they just got back from this attempt to take Nugatoria. Uh, they got ambushed. Uh, their you know, skin skin, Lord Skin Skin got ticked and quit. So they're all sort of coming home. They're not all, you know, basically prepared for anything to be happening. They're just leaving. Right. And uh, all of a sudden, Cor- you know, he's... Corgus Cool's there, and his forces are focused like a laser beam. They yeah. are not. They're playing. there to kill, and yeah. they're ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, it's they, kind of funny to think about corn demons, though. Like, 
walking home kind of dragging you know like yeah. okay the battle's over we can go home and drink a beer and relax now yeah and it's like the battle wasn't even over <laughs> they're like we got a tag we got ambushed this is bs we had a deal i'm not even fighting i'm going you know and they're all following their boss home. So they're just totally disorganized it yeah yeah i'm like okay yeah um, and, and they smash the gates and his guys are just wrecking stuff and it finally comes down to Korgus cool and lord Skinskeen. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> he he smashes and it's cool too because he's got that axe that just kills people you know or like sucks them into you know sucks rips their reality mm-hmm. yeah it rips but re- I liked this this description too so when this comes up it says finally Lord Skinskeen emerged roused from his blood wine rituals by the clamor without hesitation the two cornate champions charged at each other so <laughs> So it, you know, he was. He was like bathing in blood wine and. He was getting drunk. He was yeah. mad. He went home. He's like, he took his. Skulking. Yeah. Yeah. And he comes out to fight. And, and so uh, cool. You basically chops him with the reality axe. But instead of having him sucked into reality, because this whole realm is sort of weird, mm-hmm. a weird place, supercharged with magical powers, he basically just rips the demon prince portion of him out of reality yes <laughs> you are not worthy of the blood god's gifts yeah and so he basically turns him back into an old human yes and then he's just like there's an old human state for him he's like oh this is gonna be too much fun and he just smashes him like just crushes him crushes his skull yep um, your skull's not even worthy yeah, and then he turns around and he's holding this this crushed skull in his hand, and he looks around, and there are all of Skinskeen's demon followers, and they everybody, Coolsman, the de- everyone just takes a knee. Yep, they're like, "You're the leader now. You just crushed him without any real trouble." So yeah, we'll follow you. Yeah, uh, and this is basically what happens. Um, he basically starts a march across Orbinfernia. He is unifying the demons or killing them. You're either joining him or you're dying at this point. Yeah. Two um, choices. Yeah. And, you know, that's not really that much of a choice. So, but they're joining him because he's killing, and that's fun. Yes. Um, They're destroying Seraphon left and right. The Seraphon put up a good fight, but his weapon, it's just, it's weird. His weapon is an unknown factor. It doesn't work. The fact that it tears... It just rips reality and mm-hmm. sort of creates its own and wipes things out of reality. Um, the slon can't, that's not, it can't deal with that. No. This is something that he's dealing with the worlds the way it is and watching all this stuff. And so he becomes this weird unknown factor. Yeah, it's like the, the slan can't see the realities to be able to affect it. The, he they, can't see the future. Yeah, if it can change, if it can actually change reality when it's being wielded, yeah, it, 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 there, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, the other thing is, uh, this thing apparently just like magical wards and magical um, protections don't work yeah. against nope. it. Uh, nope. So the demons and all their magical wards fall short. Uh, the problem is any of the stuff that the skinks are throwing up. Also, don't help at all. Like, magic doesn't work against this thing. It just chops right through it, which is bad because he is basically unstoppable because of this 
random unknown variable. Yeah. Um, uh, even when the Seraphons seem to have him stopped, you know, um, you know, he comes in and just basically sunders them from reality. It's like they 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 lead him into traps. They do everything. It is. That's it. Uh, he kills the old blood Clactor. Just mm-hmm. you know, wipes because you know and kills his mount because they can't stand against him. Uh, finally, when Lords and Fantica, he finally has to join the battle himself because things are getting out of hand, and he's like, "I have to go down there myself and stop, stop this guy." Uh, he sees this land priest take the field, and he's not even near him. He grabs the axe, hefts it up, grabs it, and just throws it at him, and. Even the slant doesn't. Yeah, the slant's like he's, he's, all his magical wards are up. He's like, this thing can't hurt me. It just goes right through the magical wards like they're not there, and plants right in between the slant's two favorite eyeballs. Yeah. Um, boom, he's dead. The rest of his guys apparently fade back off into starlight. Um, right. Yeah. Which, once again, sometimes they fade, sometimes they don't. I don't understand the rules, but these guys go away. Yeah. And that's it. Like, he just, he did it. Yeah. Uh, you he know, it's conquered like, the land. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's completely ineffective. And so, boom, he just nailed it. He conquered this entire land. Thousands of years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> These demon princes warred amongst themselves. And this, and this slan stargazer, or whatever they're called now, um, has kept them at bay by pitting them against each other. Uh, Corgos Cool shows up with his, you know, rip terror of realities weapon, whatever it's called. And, uh, yeah, weeks just marches through this place. Uh, you either fight with me or you die. And people keep joining him. His army gets bigger. Uh, the, the, the lizard, uh, the Seraphon have no chance to stop him. His army is just too big. Even, like I said, when they lead him to a place where they're bottlenecked, where he can't bring all those extra numbers to bear, where they're going to have a chance against him, he's mm-hmm. fighting. He sees this land take the field in towards and just whoo, throws it. That's it. Yeah. It just nails him. It's like, oh. It, you know, it's like a mini Archeon. There's just no slowing him down at this point. No. Um, but he gets the job done. That's exactly what they wanted him to do and yep. he got it that's done that's why he was there yep it's yeah uh let's see so we get another another battle report more painting flip 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 the pages yep. to the unreachable mountain the heights of fury okay yeah this now this is where the it, apparently the unreachable mountain is reachable if you go through the crystal hedge and right. you and you Use your lightning magic to contain a firestorm, which then wraps around you in a firestorm tornado type thing, which lifts you up. But when you're inside it, it doesn't actually burn you so much. It's just like warm wind. Okay. Uh, takes them up there. So you've got Cryptborn. You've got Valkia. You've got their troops. They all pop out of this sort of realm gate above the Crystal Henge. Um and so, basically, Cryptborn has taken all of them away from Asphyxia and brought it onto this mountainside above the Crystal Henge. Um, uh, 
Now, Lord Victrian doesn't understand what's up. He doesn't understand why that he took them away from the fight. He's angry. Yeah. Uh, Accusatory. Uh, yeah. And Valkia just starts sort of telling him off. Like, you're an idiot. And uh, uh, she actually, you know, he's like, you know, we, uh, I, Iona's even talking to him. Just, he gets mad. He's like, what are you even talking to this? We, you know, we, we kill these things. That's it. And she's like, no, you fool. This land must be burned clean. And the exiled one's wrath is the key. Ask your bone clad warlock. He knows. And Victorian looked at, you dare to truck with this hell bitch, Cripborn? Heretic. You bring disgrace upon Sigmar's name. We see the word heretic pop up. Mm-hmm. You're doing something against Sigmar. You don't understand, Victorian, growled Cripborn. And he's like, forgive me. And, and so be, now he knows Victorian's going to try and stop him. So he cold cocks him. <laughs> yes. He sucker punches him. Yeah. What does this mean? I mean, this is the. These are the Stormcast Eternals. I mean, this is the first time we've seen anything like this. One accusing another of heresy. Well, you're working with, you know, you're, wait, you're listening to, you should be killing her, not even talking to her. If you're thinking of working with her, you're out of line. He's, and and, listen, I'm not working with her. I've got a plan. Okay. I'm going to, I, trust me, I'm going to fix this. I'm not working with her. You know, we're working. We're all working against Scarbrand. I don't have time to explain this, uh, but it's obvious you're going to want to argue. So I'm just going to knock you out. Yeah. Like I have a feeling this is going to cause some conflict in the future. Uh. Well, I mean, I thought so too. But as you read the book, it's like sort of when he wakes up, he sort of kind of sees what's going on. You yeah. know, but not quite. Because like yeah. by the time he wakes up, most of what happened already happened. Like he only sees the aftermath, right? So you, you, it could, it very well could. We shall see. Um, yeah. But uh, I just was like, oh my gosh, he just cold cocked him. Yeah. So yeah, I just <laughs> that was just fantastic. Um, so. Uh, what we know is that Nurgle's plague was brought here by Blow Bratspawn, and it has right. to be purged. Right. Um, pure now because it's a it's a it's a disease that just slows you down and makes you apathetic and makes you it takes away your will to fight. Mm-hmm. The exact opposite of that is rage. Right. So they Which realize they, is Scarbrand. Yeah, they need to basically. And w- one of the things they 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 notice is that you know where, where, when Scarbrand lands when he starts to scream and his rage actually starts to build when he does one of them Hulk screams you know leans yep. down puts the both fists in front flexes and screams all those little rot flies and stuff this 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 aura of of disease just bur- literally fries and burns up around him right like he's able to his rage literally burns away the disease it's the exact opposite of it so, like, okay, I got an idea. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. so he realizes that the you know the hinge gate amplifies emotions because they're psychic resonators. They that these these crystal pillars, you know, and 
hey, you know, we that's the you know, people do that all the time. You got all these people who believe in the power of crystals. They all amplify and resonate and basically these they do that. These these crystals they're going to resonate and amplify whatever emotion is there. So exactly. would you stick Scarbrand in the middle of them? <laughs> right. And and he'll burn out I mean that I mean, we've already seen even his rules in the game. Like, he is just all about being, I mean, talk about frenzy. There's no, I mean, he is the berserker extraordinaire. Yeah. And they're going to put him in the middle of this thing that just amplifies that whole feeling. And I was like, and when they do it later, it's it's fantastic. Like, the results are just so stupid. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So here's the plan. So. He's got his guys, and they're running and charging up to the top of the mountain. Right. They're going up to the mountain peak, and they're fighting along the way. Cripborn has his retributors basically up there, and they're fighting. And Scarbrand, and right, right as Scarbrand gets to the mountain peak, because he sees the fighting, he's like, ah, people to kill. Right. He lands on this mountain peak, this summit, this ledge, and Cripborn's like, now. And all the retributors at the same time. Just start hammering the top of the mountain. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it cracks, and they all fall down the entire mountain. The top right. of the mountain breaks and tumbles down the entire length of the mountain. Scarbrand tumbles down because you know those wings are useless. Oh, yeah. Cryptborn's tumbling down. The. The corn bloodbound guys are tumbling down. They're getting crushed by rocks. Lightning is flashing because some of the some of the the, the uh, storm <laughs> cats are getting crushed by rocks. But yep. they're all sort of like tumbling down the mountain. Not all. Not Valky, all of them. Uh, Valkia is just flying above, witnessing it all. Yeah, Valkia, yeah. Valkia takes to the wings and is watching this. So yeah. a lot of the hammerhands are killed. Scarbrand tumbles up, lands inside. This megaliths of the blood quartz henge. Okay. Mm. Um, now, all of his enemies are buried under snow and rocks. So he looks around and there's nobody to kill. Like, somebody knocked him down a mountain. <laughs> now, all I can say is, you know, if you watch the Avengers movies, oh, he's yeah. kind of like Hulk. Yes. Like, yeah. He yeah. just gets angrier and angrier and angrier. And. You just, knocked, yeah, you just knocked him down a mountain. Yes. Like you sucker. First of all, he got sucker punched earlier. Right. In the jaw, and the guy ran. And now he lands on a mountain, which they then knock off and tumble it down on him. And as he rolls, he sort of, and boy, talk about <laughs> some precision uh, demolition. Yeah. Well, maybe they're just so big it's hard to miss. Okay, but still, I mean, they smashed it so it fell in just the right way, and he rolled and tumbled the right way down the mountain. I mean, and so he rolls right into the center of these things, boom, hits one of the pillars, stops there, looks around, and there is nothing there, and he is just livid, and there's nothing to kill. He loses it. Yes. He lets out a rage howl that is amplified to the nth degree. Now, he is already this insensate rage incarnate, whatever the rules are for those Mm -hmm. bloodthirsters. The henge explodes. The actual crystal henge, the crystal pillars, these monoliths 
resonates so much rage they can't contain and handle how much rage they're resonating. They blow up. Right. <laughs> like he literally blows up the psychic resonator with his rage. Now, that blast kills anyone near it, including Scarbrand. Right. Scarbrand uh, is sent back to the, the, the war. I mean, you know, and it, just like, I mean, they're they're all these demons. Once you smash them, they just go home. And, oh, yeah. You know, they're like the ghosts from Pac-Man. The eyeballs go back, and then they, re- they, get, they get a new, <laughs> you know. Yeah, good visual. Yeah, <laughs> basically, right? So yeah, you're right. But these, I mean, these giant pieces of crystal, they're all around him, and they explode in every direction, but a big chunk of them all explode inward, and he's impaled. Yes. From every angle. Now, the thing is, the Bloodbound, um, uh, it, 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 uh, it, it kind of infuses into everybody. Right. right? Now, but some of them, like, don't their, like, heads just explode? Some, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the worst of them because they're so, they're, they're so already full of this, this pumped up rage. Like, they're all, like, their blood pressure's already, like, you know, 150 over 110 as they're fighting. And this thing runs through them and pumps them up to 200 over one. And they're just, they, they're just, they pop. Yeah. Um, yep. The ones that don't pop just turn around. And once again, the Stormcast Eternals aren't there. They're buried under the rubble. The ones who are alive are like got to dig their way out. There is no one else for them, these guys to fight. So they just attack each other. Yeah. Like they Those can't. Those that aren't stuck. Yeah. Yeah, they can't they can't handle it. So they attack each other. Uh the plague of atrophy burned up. That's gone. Like literally they describe this and you could see the waves. Like I, I you know, like like when you got those heat waves coming off your, your grill in the summer, it makes everything behind it look wavy. Oh yeah. Yeah, this literally this wave of rage just rolls out from the center point. Um everyone else for miles and miles grabs a weapon. And yeah. this is where the Asphyxians, who were already fighting, the worst of the guys, the guys closest to this, all died. Yes. And the ones out there were killing themselves, these corn, these the, the bloodbound. The Asphyxians just basically grab their weapons, and they go wild, too. And that's basically the little edge they needed. As the bloodbound are killing off their own guys, and they, the numbers dwindle quickly, the Asphyxians grab their weapons and go after their oppressors, and they basically free themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, Ignax is burning hotter than ever. Right. Like, if the the plan was to settle him down, this is having this does the exact opposite. Right. You just right. You, you you just handed him an espresso and a puppy. He's just completely wound up. Um, just can't be calmed down at all. Uh, even the Stormcast feel it. Oh, yeah. But they've been highly trained, and they have Sigmar's blessing in them. They feel the rage run through them. They close their eyes. They, you know, they, they, the home, they say, um, home, you know, they do that, that, that mm-hmm. calming thing. And they're good. Yeah. And, and Cripborn chants a meditative death mantra to his order as well. Yes. Yes. And so he's doing that. And all of a sudden, giant spear goes right through his breastplate. Boom. Lightning bolt. Cripborn's gone. There's Valkia smiling and laughing. Nice big grin on her face. Yep. <laughs> you know, you did a good job. You stopped all this stuff. 
but you did kill a lot of my men, and you're still my enemy. We weren't actually working together. Yeah. Like, you brought me up here, and I and I laid off you long enough to have your plan happen. But now that the plan's over, she <laughs> just sucker stabs him. He's, like, not even looking. And you know the rage in her, too. He, like, the, oh, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the rage had to hit her, too. So she just saw him there. Oh, you're you're alive still? <laughs> Not anymore. Um, and that is what happens to him, and that's how they basically killed this thing. And now, Ignax is who is completely just wound up and gone crazy. Now, a lot of this battle is basically sort of slowed down now because most of these people are dead. So right. with the slowing down of the battle, Ignax is going to be able to calm down a bit. And this is going to be Archeon's chance coming up. Right. So, you know what? Let's take a break here. Okay. Um, And when we come back, we're going to pick up with the Tauroi Archipelago. Um, This is an interesting bit of story. This goes way out. In fact, this one took me a while just to figure out where they were. Yeah. Um, the, the, the geography of this is not explained at all, and the map did not help. No, um, not really in this one. There's a, yeah, it's too big of an area, I think. Yeah, but it's like, okay, I kind of, you know, once we get the Candleman story and you kind of sort of get things going, I'm like, okay, this will work. Um, and this is another one where you get some of those linked up battles because Scarbrand's wave of anger doesn't stop where he is. This goes over, like, the entire realm. That's how big that wave was. It's yeah. like a tsunami, man. Uh, you know, he was the underground earthquake, and this is sending out a tsunami hundreds if not thousands of miles in every direction it's amazing and we'll talk about that uh right when we get back has a special hell for cowards like you, demon! Screamed Corgus Cool. Your skull will make a fine plaything for my flesh hounds! Countered Lord Skinskeen, his blade work matching Cool's frenzied attacks. The two combatants were a whirlwind of flashing steel and flying blood. Any demon or mortal that strayed too close was hacked into crimson mist. Across the corpse-choked courtyard of the Chaos Keep, the two lords rampaged stray blows from their weapons felling statues and striking showers of sparks from stone. Such was the fury of their duel that entire walls of the Cornate Palace collapsed, skulls falling like rain to bounce and shatter upon the ground. Lord Skinskeen's arrogance was to be his undoing, just as Cool knew it would be. For a split second, Corgus fell to one knee, feigning weakness. The demon prince loomed over him, blade held high, sure of his kill. In a flash of red steel, Cool's axe opened up the demon prince's throat, the weapon's sorceries carving a rent in the reality of that strange land. To Cool's surprise, the monster did not die. By the surreal magics of Orb Infernia, the axe tear widened, draining Lord Skinskeen of every drop of his demonic energy. Lord Cool smiled as he watched the massive demon shrivel. Bloody muscles collapsed in on themselves. 
horns withered and turned to dust, and the huge blade fell from weak human fingers. At the last, the mortal lord Skinskeen had once been kneeled at Cool's feet, gasping for mercy. You are not worthy of the blood god's gifts, growled Cool, wrapping one massive hand around Skinskeen's face. With deliberate slowness, he squeezed, savoring the cracking of bone and Skinskeen's piteous screams. By the time Cool looked up from his bloody work, he saw the battle around him had ended. On all sides, demons and mortals bowed down before their master. are back back with the fate of the candlemen on the tower archipelago uh, yeah we looked that up so we know we're pronouncing it right <laughs> okay um basically these people were masters of fire and water they were the flame men but uh, they lived here until the corn noticed them and then he sent earthquakes and ripped this floating land apart literally lip ripped it apart um so this is all sort of little floating separate places. Uh, and then and he's – go ahead. They used to be beast hunters as well. Yes. There's, apparently, yeah, it sounds like it was you know covered with, with monsters and beasts, and they were masters of them all until corn came. Yeah, and then, of course, he sends the, the, the beastmen. He's sending the, the, the bull gore, also known as minotaurs. Mm. Um, yeah. He sends those things rushing in, you know, 12 foot of solid muscle. Yeah, by the uh, thousands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between hunting bear and things like that and then suddenly having, you know, bull gores show up ready to fight. Uh, yeah. They, they, get, they get smashed. Yeah. You know. Well, that's what they get for hurting those poor innocent animals. Yeah, the beastmen exactly. just defending the forest. Those poor beastmen. <laughs> beastmen are very prominent in this book again, but once again with no actual... No love. I mean, you know, I get you know they 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 didn't die any more than all the Nurgle no, guys that they no. mentioned died, or the corn guys died. But there's no, there's no characters. There's no, there is nothing here to make them anything more than another bit of cannon fodder. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm looking forward to them getting. A battle tome or something so that they are more I'd, I'd love to see some characters some motivation something other than they just happen to live everywhere and the chaos gods send them out when they need bodies right because that's yeah, basically, they're just bodies in this yeah so far that's been it and uh you know we've gone about a year almost a year and a half with the, with the game and they're literally just bodies. i mean you know the elves haven't even shown up really that's true. So, they get mentioned, though. Oh, well, yeah, they get mentioned. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, these guys at least are here, and they're they're yeah. pretty cool. I mean, they're scary. And some of these, every time I read these stories, I kind of want to build 
a Beastman army because it like man it sounds like a lot of fun like these guys just coming out in, in droves and swarms and these giant just tough guys with all the cygors running out and stuff like that yeah don't you uh, me too it is i mean they sound like fun but there's there, but there is just no there there there's no development they are literally just bodies yeah um so okay uh, the Tempest Lords arrive, coming to free the can these people, and they find a very few people to save, and b huge, tough, monstrous enemies that will make it very hard for them to reach their twelve. They actually mention it; like it took a bunch <laughs> yes. of them to take down one. They're like, "How are we going to get our twelve? Like we just got screwed. We got sent somewhere where getting our twelve. Like these things are worth more than one man too, but we're not allowed to, you know, make that judgment. So right." <laughs> We're kind of. Can we stuck. get amendment to our contract? Yeah, this is the, you know, that's that's like when Legolas downs that giant the you know, the giant uh, the Muammar, and he's like, "That still only counts as one." Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, oh, that really? That still only counts as one because that stinks. That's a terrible deal. I hate yeah. my deal right now. This is not fair. Um, so okay, th- basically. This is one of the okay. They're, they go around. They're looking at stuff. They wind up in this cave. They're doing a beating a hasty retreat because they're just getting attacked by all these bulgors. And even the tempest lords are like they don't like retreating, but they need to regroup at least. You know, call it what you will. They need to not be fighting giant thousands of minotaurs. So, right. Uh, they wind up in this cave, and as they go f- deeper and farther back, they find a cavern, and they find a you know a couple of these guys holding candles. You know, the candlemen. You know, and. Uh, then the Templars like we need, you know, we're going to need help. We're going to need to figure something out. And suddenly there's one or two, and they're like, oh, you know, we're 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 not here to hurt you. We're here to help you. And then we're, there's not just two or three or four. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of these guys. Right. And uh, the Tempest Lords basically rally all these people to their side. Um, some of them come with the promise of rising up and vanquishing the enemies. Some of them don't buy into that. So then they turn and say, well, are you want to die here alone hiding in a cave or you don't want to die a, a noble, glorious death trying to save, you know, trying to free your, your, your realm from these monsters? So either you're fighting because you think you can win or you're fighting because you think you can't win, but everybody's fighting at this point. Yeah. Um, you're all recruited. Exactly. Um, and now the beast men are coming out in numbers that haven't been seen in this place in ages. Like they are just emptying out of all of their caves and the forests and every area that's around, not too many forests in this area actually, but they're emptying out of everywhere. Um, once these Tempest Lords have arrived because they're putting up a fight and it's like, Oh, someone actually putting up a fight. And they come rushing out. Worse, the Bulgors are literally equal in number to the Tempest Lords. So this is this is going to be bad. This is where they set up that whole the anvil and the hammer. The Candlemen are going to be the anvil. They're going to fight. Yeah, but and they're going to die. But but. They're going to die in droves. But you need somebody. You need a you need a wall of bodies to fight and have something holding them up so that the Stormcast can come flying in as the hammer. I guess. Right. Um, and they do. They attack everywhere at once. And it is bloody. Death upon death. Uh, but the Candlemen and the, and the Stormcast uh, together, uh, they looked like they're winning. And, yeah, and then, for a while. And then came the Gorgons. <laughs> right. 
Um, these guys are ferocious. They're swinging those giant pillars of stone. They're just smashing stuff. They're so ferocious and stuff. The Candlemen break. I mean, they, they totally fail their Battleshock tests, and they are running. Yep. Uh, and this leaves the Stormcast's flank exposed. Um, you're like, oh, no, we're doomed. We are totally, totally screwed. And then there's this huge explosion and a red light flashing, and this red light sort of moves out in waves towards them from a far away. Mm-hmm. And that's when the Beastmen's head explode. The, the Beastmen, yeah, the most vicious, <laughs> their heads all explode. Like the Gorgons, the most vicious, the Bulgors, the biggest, the heaviest fighters, their heads literally explode. Um, this is the Scarbrand explosion. Right. And it waved all the way across the gap in these two areas between Asphyxia and uh, uh, Matadros, where these guys are, or whatever they are. Dude, it's just... I mean, I told you, it went hundreds, if not thousands of miles, this stupid right. blast. Uh, and it's still so much fury. These guys are so full of rage. This thing just pops their their skulls, too. Um, Everybody's like, what just happened? Yeah, and the Candlemen. Now, the Candlemen, the, the Stormcast Eternals, once again, they feel that rage, and they're sort of like, oh, okay, and they control it. The Candlemen don't. Not so much. Uh, luckily, there are still a lot of Beastmen around. Right. Uh, the worst of them, a lot of them, their heads exploded. But the ones who didn't, these Candlemen are just like, that's it. And Now it's time for revenge. Yeah. And that, the rage that they get, it's time for payback. Um, and here's where you get um, the next battle plan. Uh, and it's a good one. Uh, Twist of Fate. Uh, it's not just a good one, but this is another one that links to that the previous one. And this is an interesting one because if you're playing the two of them, uh, if you played on the last one and you managed to blow up the, the basically the, the, the thing that represents Scarbrand, the, you know, the thing you have to smash and, and destroy, right. um, whatever turn you did that on, on this game, if you link them together, on when that turn comes around in this game, then the, 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 the blast wave hits. So... It's a fun little link together. It works. Um, and it's interesting because they do it again later by linking up a couple of... But they're, they're, they're going on at the same time in just right. two different areas. And it actually, that, that, that explosion has an effect. So why not have that battle plan affect this battle plan? It, it, was, a, it was a clever idea. I liked how it worked. It's, yeah, it'd be great to play as a, camp, a linked campaign, too. Sure, absolutely. And since they have they have this double scenario and they have another double scenario, you could literally kind of four, four scenario link all four together um, mm-hmm. and, and have yourself a little mini campaign between you and someone else or you and two other guys, depending on how you play the, play the battles. Right. So, um, all right, so now we're getting to the land of the chain sun. And, yes. uh All right, so... Uh, quick recap: The Stormcast Eternals freed Asphyxia by turning Scarbands rage. Okay, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They help free the Telray Archipelago. Archipelago, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, now this weakens uh, Corgus Cool's grip on the region, though, um, with all the natives rising up and and smashing back. Basically. Anybody, the Candlemen, the Asphyxians, anybody who survived has been basically, if you were already fighting, you're fighting harder. If you weren't fighting, you grabbed a weapon. 
So literally everybody is standing up to the corn blood bound that had basically taken over. Actually, when we first read Gates of Azir, right. Corgus Cool was going around with his guys killing other corn lords because he had nobody else to fight. Right. And now these humans are not just standing up. They're starting to turn, help turn the tide back. Yeah. Ingrates. Yeah. Kill them corn guys. You want blood for the blood god? I got you. Corn doesn't <laughs> care from where the blood flows. Um, now, but with Corgos Cool killing that slan master, Orb Infernia has completely destabilized. Um, that with that destabilization, Corn Corgos uh, Cool is able to go through that God's Eye Gate in New Gatoria, and it brings him to the land of the Chain Sun. Right. Uh, which that's that's one of the reasons that convenient. Uh, yeah. Well, it's 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 basically why Archeon sent him there. Right. You know, I need you to go up there and, and take care of this and stop the, all that fighting that's going on up there. Take the place, clean it up. They they obviously haven't been able to stop this slant in 3,000 years or whatever. Go up there, kill it, and now he's able to go through the gate, and that's exactly where they want to be. The land of the chain sun is that floating crescent island that's got the chains literally that are holding Ignax in place are chained to this floating island and then the floating island is chained to the you know the the, the rest of the place. Right. Um, I fixed it. Yeah. Um so this is now we're back to that part. Ignex has flared up so bad that okay, this was great. When that flare up of rage happened with that explosion, mm-hmm. the flare up was so bad with everybody's rage going, Ignex went crazy. Well, right. he's basically, I mean, he's like a sun. He's a fire dragon or something like that. In a sense, yeah. The fire sure. raged so hot that basically all of the Dwarden that lived there went into their caves and went into their into their underground areas, and they survived. Yeah, they shut the door. Yeah. Anyone, their wards anyone and- not inside and, and a good distance inside is dead. Yeah. They got incinerated. This place got so hot, everybody just burned that was yep. living there. So now the place has been basically burned and toasted on the top. So it's got a nice burnt outer shell going on. And uh, the only people who survive basically are the Duarden. They're the only ones up there. Yes. Um, now, the only ones up there safely, yeah. Yeah. Now, once that emotional upsurge from Scarbrand was completely spent... And the, the, those, you know, the the remaining armies that uh, were there were just sort of wiped out um, by the uprising of of these uh, of the humans and stuff like that. Uh, Ignex totally cooled down and he's exhausted. Right. So now this is okay, Arcane's like now's my time. I got to get up there, but he can't get near it. Yeah. It's um, too hot. Well, the Duarden has put all these shield runes on on the. Uh, the, the uh, on the uh, the island the chains on, in the yeah. island yeah so by doing that uh, basically any magic he attempts any of his uh, you know his gaunt summoners try to make a portal you'll try to go up there and it'll take you somewhere else <laughs> so he's like I can't get up there every time we try to go up there we wind up not being there um so he Archeon's like I want all the fire slayer lodges that are up here just wiped out um. And he sends all of his Varen Guard who are there after them. 
Um, this is kind of a great story because um, he's like, I just want anyone who's around these chains, anyone who's 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 built this, you know, these 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 runes, wipe them out. And it's funny because his Varengard are like, well, what good is wiping them out going to do? Like, this seems petty. Like, not that we don't want to kill people, but you're mad because they put up runes that'll keep us from teleporting up there. If we kill them, do the runes go away? No. So wh- I don't understand Let's... your plan. But, of course, his, he, dude, he's playing the long game. He's got a plan. Yeah. Um, One of the lodges, one of the Fire Slayer lodges, um, and if you remember from the Fire Slayer book, uh, they have a uh, you know all of these forge fathers have a lodge, right? Uh, but they have a lot of sons, so sometimes the sons have to go out and start their own lodge because they're not going to be put in charge of this one. And remember, the Vostarg Lodge was basically like the biggest, one of the one of the most impressive of all the lodges. He had so many sons, nobody could agree to who was going to get to lead it after he died. So they basically right. agreed nobody can have it, and they yeah. all sort of went and started their own lodges. Well, this is one of those splinter lodges. Uh, Ostarg Lodge, and they fight their way out, and the Oreg Runefather, Oreg Runefather goes and just basically, you know, moves the lava to create, uh, to burn through, burn a tunnel through into the Lodestone Peak, which is this mountain. He's going to run through this mountain instead of around it. By going right through it, though, the Lodestone Peak is super magnetic, uh, and any metals that aren't, haven't been you know, blessed with the Dwarden's runes, mm-hmm. um, it's metal in a highly <laughs> magnetic mountain. So theirs are not affected. They are basically, you know, magnet uh, magnet proof as they run through. The Varengard go charging after them with their <laughs> every, wearing all the chaos armor and the chaos armored guys, and it's slowing them down. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. stop them. They're not just like like slammed against the walls and unable to move. No. But it's very difficult for them to move. It slows them down and, and delays them enough that these guys are able to get away. Right. Because uh, there is a forgotten realm gate deep inside this area. So they tunnel, they tunnel their way through it, use the realm gate, go back to the Vostar heartland uh, up in this uh, land of the chain sun. Now, this is where it gets a little, a little strange. Um, the, the main, uh, guy who did this, uh, Doric, uh, claim blade is the Oric mm-hmm. rune smiter. And, um, he's got like this thing going on. Once he gets over there, he joins the Vostar lodge proper. Um, they're all doing this stuff and he's working on this, this rune, this, uh, uh, this Oriok. And it's this dwarven uh, father rune of binding, which I guess is like an old master rune, this rune of binding. It's an icon of ownership. They would uh, use it to claim ownership over, um, it says over, it says, they would use it to claim dominion over those magic saturated lands that had sentience or even a geomantic version of a soul. It had been found wanting during the taming of uh, Drakatoa, the great volcano of the Shimmer Falls, and since the resultant eruption, it had fallen into disfavor. Uh, its legend was pursued by Doric alone. When anyone asks him why, he just gives them, a, the, gives them the stink eye and they back off. <laughs> um, but then it says here, he took great pains to hide the truth. In secret, he was working to perfect the counter rune, 
a symbol he had already inscribed on two of the Grunge Ford chains that held Ignax fast. Uh, though the runes of unbinding had no chance of undoing Grunge's magics alone, they were still blasphemies of damning mag- magnitude. If the Maverick Runesmiter had been caught, he'd have been sentenced to drowning in vitriol within an hour. Um, so basically he's working on these runes of unbinding. Right. And he's put two of them on the chains already. It's not enough to break the chains, but it can help weaken the chains. Right. Now, this whole, I, I don't understand why he's doing this, and it says he's actually working on this perfect rune of unbinding, but apparently he's got runes of unbinding that work, so now he's working on a master rune, but does that mean he's not working on the the Oriok? Because it seems like he's got Oriok later. Right. So this is where it gets confusing. Did he work on it and already perfect it, and now he's actually working on that? Like, he's working on this, so when people come to look, that's what they see him working on, so he's, like, splitting his day between the... Like, it's it's a little bit unclear, and maybe I'm just dense. No, I didn't... Yeah, I'm right there with you. So, okay, so I... I, I uh, this wasn't me. All no. right. Um, now, he's put two of these on Ignatius. Now, um, when... Uh, when Ignax does finally freak out, which he does freak out, uh, he he breaks two of the chains. Right. And these chains that are binding, these are four chains binding Ignax, they break up near, and, and they, they they fall toward the same. Now, here's the question. He, he had to put the rune of unbinding on one of the bottom parts of the chain. It's not like he climbed the chain up to Ignax. <laughs> no. But when he broke the chain, it broke closer to him, even though the rune... So it doesn't break at necessarily at the rune point, apparently. Right. Because it broke, and this whole thing comes tumbling down to the sacred isle, uh, and it gouges out these chasms. It says, each link is the size of an infernal realm fort. Yeah. Must be easy to hide a rune on. It must be, truly. You know, um, but he puts this rune on it, and it's enough to just just corrupted enough that as Ignax's heat is superheated from that fight and he's all worked up and he's tugging and tugging and tugging and tugging that the the strain on this one point that has this rune on it um kind of gives kind of gives although once again the runes at the bottom and he breaks it and it's apparently it all fell down from the top so apparently it just just corrupted the chain in general i don't know how the dwarf runes work so i'm just going to go with it okay yeah yeah well, if you don't know, I don't think anybody knows, but yeah. <laughs> well, I guess the guys who wrote this probably do, but that's not uh, me. So no. now what's great is that um, as these things are breaking and falling down, they fall from Ignax to, and they're kind of hanging off the side of this sacred aisle all the way down to the main areas here. And the, basically, the Varengard are like, we can just ride up these giant links and get up to the island. We don't need to teleport. We can get up there. Because I guess the island wasn't actually chained to the ground. It was just that he was chained to the floating island. And the, in the picture where you see the chains coming down, I'm assuming those are when they broke the chains. Because otherwise, they could have just ridden up the ones that had it chained in the first place. But Yeah, I thought the picture showed it chained to the ground, but... But at that apparently it couldn't have been because so, it, yeah. that has to be where the chains maybe fell that could when be. it broke. I mean, that's when all I can broke. think of. Yeah. Because otherwise there's, you know, a mistake. Yeah, because, it, well, no, it says he was chained by four chains, but no, you know what? He must have been chained by six chains. Yeah, because. 
Oh, and then two fell down. Because yeah, two yeah. fell down, and there were four left later. After he broke yeah. the two, there were still four left. So those two that are on the in the picture on the ground, because look, they're not even taut. They're just sort of hanging there loose. Yep, yep. So, yeah, so that is what happened. Okay, so the picture is showing after that thing broke. Um, That's helpful. So Archeon is like, oh, this is great. So get up there and kill all the Duarden you find. And there are millions of fire slayers up there, it says. Yeah. Once again, think about the scope and the size of these places in the pictures. Millions of fire slayers live up there. Uh, and all of a sudden, the the you know, the Varengard are riding up there and they're gonna wipe out the fire slayers. They're gonna move through, and all of a sudden lightning bolts are coming, twenty storm hosts arrive. Yeah. Fight worse. <laughs> no force. This claim blade, they they go through on his little thing here. They've got his story, and I want to cover this before we get into the fight. Now, sure. okay, um, he has been doing all this sort of stuff. When the Varengard invaded these, these guys' homeland in the first place, they massacred a lot of these fire slayers, and he, he was witness to one of these massacres, and it really upset him, apparently. His rune sight showed him that these Varengard had a lot of Urgold in the gold worked into their jewelry or on their weapons or on their armor. The gold trim had a lot of Urgold in it. Right. Uh, And there was so much that it basically almost, it kind of drove him crazy. Like every one of these guys had some Urgold on them. And he's just like, no, no, that ain't right. I got it. I have to get like that. We need to get that. Right. And we can't just get that off of them. We need to lead them here so that we can kill them and take that Urgold because they ain't going to trade that. I mean, they're Archeon's followers. It's not like you can make deals with them, you know? Right. So it's his divine duty to retrieve Urgold. That's what they do. So he's going to lure them into traps and ambushes and all that stuff. Um. And so that's basically, he's already, since he's been up there, he's been laying traps. He's been setting them up so that when this happens and these chains broke, they were able to come up. So this apparently is part of like his master plan to lead the Varengard up there so that they could slaughter them and steal their Urgold. Yeah, that's how it sounds. <laughs> well, yeah, and it says it says as part of his plan, it was a bold, yeah. it was ambitious, bold, and lethal. It would see the stain of death spread across the lands. So this is the one person who wants the Varengard to come and attack. Yeah, in all the lands, a dangerous plan. Oh yeah, but but yeah, he seems like he takes chances. So, oh yeah, well yeah, you know, it's your <laughs> gold, man. You got to take chances. That's true. So you know what? Let's. Uh, it's time for a break. Okay. We'll take that and we'll come back and we'll uh, kind of go through what happens with the rest of this. This, uh, what happens on here, because this is where it gets kind of crazy. Yes. With, uh, with Ignax and with everything going on. And I think this is where Archeon shows up for the first time. It is. Yeah, and it just gets dumb. So, <laughs> all right, quick break and then we'll be right back.
fires of Ignax grew so close to the land of the chained sun that the land itself burned. Chaos Worshipper, Demon, and Stormcast Eternal alike burned with it. The Fire Slayers had retreated underground, triggering ancient runes that made them immune to Ignax's flames, whilst those who dared trespass upon their land died aflame. Every soul upon the Crescent Isle that did not worship Grimnir was incinerated, banished, or reduced to foul-smelling ash. Every soul barring Archeon, for the wards laid upon him would not see him slain so easily. With Ignax's wrath temporarily spent, Archeon made his move. Dorgar bore him around the Zodiacal Beast's island-sized skull until Archeon could drive the Slayer of Kings into the monstrosity's temple. The demon trapped within the Ever-Chosen's blade clawed into Ignax's mind, driving her to the very edge of insanity. She writhed in agony. The great tethers were torn, roots and all, from the crumbling earth, for in causing their land to burn so deeply, the Fire Slayers shattered the crust of the island itself. Trailing grungeny forged chains behind her, Ignax flew roaring into the cosmic sprawl of Akshi. Archeon rode triumphant in her wake, unaware of the rune glinting upon her flank, for Dwarden magic hid it from his sight. The Everchosen had won his victory, or so he believed. We are back to bind a god beast. Oh yeah! So here it comes. First one, first one getting bound here, or he's going to try at least. So, what's going on here? So, the fire slayers are killing hundreds of Varengard, but uh, well, there's nothing. Uh, you know, he's got thousands. Thousands, thousands. These guys yeah. are scary too. Like they're no slouches, and he's got thousands of them. That's what he does. He collects the best. So, he's got thousands of them riding up these giant links. Uh, the Varengard are basically sort of at the links, not giving too much ground. But slowly, they're backing up. I mean, these Varengard aren't, w- aren't wimps, you know? Right. Um, Archeon then starts summoning, summoning demon portals from Orb Infernia. Now that he's got guys up there, he's able to start summoning demon portals, at least over near the chains and stuff. So, these guys are rushing up, too. And the Fire Slayers are about to get routed until, boom, the Dracothian Guard arrive, and they mess up the demons bad. Um, I like the Dracothian Guard riding in, and they literally describe the thunder and lightning echelons. Mm-hmm. You know, the lightning echelon goes, come through, and then the thunder wave follows up with the axes, and it's like, oh, they're actually describing the formations from from the book like the actual right. battalions that you can use which i thought was nice because you don't see them used all that often um that's true people I usually have... like to just pick one or two and then they do the shooting thing and just use them for their skills um i really like those battalions so i thought it was cool seeing it um it's another one of those things where i want to have like 20 of them i want to have like or more i want to have like six for each of the types so I could run those 
those things. So I want Definitely. like two dozen of those Dracothian guards, which is a total waste of money and time. I'd never be able to play an army that big. But uh, one of these days I'm going to do that. One of these days I'm just going to build an army that's stupid amounts of huge, like I was going to do with the thousand zombies, and right. just play against like just like this whole army against whatever someone wants to bring, and just do one of those full day like an apocalypse game, basically. Exactly. Yeah, you could totally do it. Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, it was nice to hear a formation mentioned that they have that you can actually play. Yep. Um, okay, so guess what? Archeon comes in and he kicks everybody's butt. Yep. He says, okay, time for me to come down and join the fray. Because it's time to get Ignax, and that's my gig. So here I come. And, of course, he's just killing everything. Oh, but then the lightning comes, and there's three Star Drakes with Drake's Horn Templars. And as we pointed out, yeah, one, two, literally just not even. I mean, even in the descriptions, like the first one, it's like, oh, he he smashed the beast. Dorgar grabbed the, the... the 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 star drake and, and 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 gouged it and cut it and then dragged it closer so that Arcan could kill the rider and the second one they you know he uh, the uh, Archeon swung aside at the last minute and cut him from the belly to, and the the third one was simply shorn in two like the third guy didn't even get like he got a sentence like it wasn't yes. even a, it wasn't even an interesting battle it was like the first one he grabbed and pulled him in and clock killed him and the next one he abducted who just slid him open all the way from his neck to his to his pelvis and the guts all you just picture him just dumping his innards it's like oh I got him and the next guy like the last guy was like by that time it's like whatever swamp chop you in half get out of here like, right that's how easily he dispatches these things i mean that's just dumb like <laughs> I would like to see that battle on the tabletop. (laughs) Yeah. On the tabletop, I don't know it goes that easily. Yeah. Uh, Three of them against Archeon. I guess, you know, I think they would have a better chance. But just just how in this story, it's like, what? What stands against that? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so... Here we get a. Here's we get one of the little side story boxes. Um, mm-hmm. th- the fire slayers don't know what to do. They're like just yeah. gonna, they're gonna they're like we're gonna fight to the death. That's all we can do. And one of them's like, no, I got an idea. Let's. Apparently, these chains aren't just bolted into the ground. They're on winches. Right. And so they're like, let's they're- let's let's turn them. Let's pull him closer. If we pull Ignax closer with all the fighting, he'll just burn all these guys up. We can handle it. We'll pull him closer, and then when he gets closer, he'll start to cook everything. And those of us who are still here, who are when we start to feel effects, we can always run underground, and everything else here is going to die. And we can use him that way. Um, and they're like, "No, nah, that's too risky." And that's when Chain, uh, or Claim Blade, Chain, Claim Blade, mm-hmm. uh, he's like, um, "We do have the Rune of Oriok. Uh, we can go if we can, you know, hammer this Rune into his." into him we can control him and that's or we can bind him to us or whatever it is and mm-hmm. so basically like who's going to do this so one of one of the um one of the 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 sons one of the sons is like i'll take the rune and all of his brothers are like yep yeah, we'll go too and so there's four chains leading up so they go to running to all all the chains right and, and they're magma joths yeah now this is kind of cool. Now at this point I was a little confused because I'm like, um, 
you know, is that a rune of binding or unbinding? And if you put it on him and it's un like, how would that unbind him from what? Like, what is he even bound to? Unless right. it's going to keep him from being bound to Archeon. And this is where I'm confused. Is he literally unbinding him so nobody controls him? Or are they binding him so that the dwarves control him and Archeon can't control him? And I, we you, will see. Yeah. And at this point in the story, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Um, but so to get to, they get to all the four chains and they're rushing there and Archeon, like, it looks like they're all just rushing off to, you know, to fight. But when they right. get there and they start winching it down, Archeon's like, uh, no, what? Like, he realizes what they're doing. He's like, oh, that's not good. Like, all my yeah, guys are going to die. Like, you, you know, that's, I'm not wasting their lives like this. So he sends them. He's like, you know, stop whoever you're fighting, get to the base of the chains and stop this. Meanwhile, the magma droths, who can stand any heat because they got like lava blood. Right. They just start running up the chains with these with the guys on their backs and the brothers on their backs. Um, it keeps going higher. You know, obviously you don't know who to go after. You don't know why they're running up the chains, but they're running up on every chain sort of as distraction. Right. So um, take them down. Yeah. So he's trying to take him down. The brothers are just basically start dying as they get too close to Ignax. They're they're basically literally getting too close to the sun, um, right. and they're they they're, they're, they're burning up. Yeah, their flesh starts to crisp, and they basically burn up. The magma droths keep running up without them. The only one who doesn't burn is Volgrov Borson um, because he's got the rune, and the rune is protecting him. Apparently, the rune of Unbind is protecting him from all the heat. As well, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Just it is, yeah. um, but he gets up there and he gets up to Ignax and he manages to hammer it into Ignax's side. And as soon as he's not protected by the rune anymore, the rune is bound to Ignax. Poof, he just bursts, burns, into fl- yeah. just burns to a crisp quickly, and he's gone. But Ignax has now been, you know, branded, marked. Yeah. yeah. So that that's done, and it's like, oh, you got him, which is yeah. kind of neat. Um, once again, another battle plan that looks pretty cool. Um, you get this cool picture, and I was talking about this earlier on page 148 and 149 of Archeon in front of Ignex. But even look at those chains. Like, if that chain is the size of a fort, then so is Archeon. Yeah. So he should be really tiny in that picture. Yeah. Um... But, it, but once again, at least yeah, that size, but not yeah. not even half. If that thing is the width of a fort, he should be able to fit. Oh, on, yeah, on yeah. the curve I'm of sorry. a link, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Right. He should be where the chain link, yeah, cuts into the middle of the page. It made it look like the it was one big link that I was looking at. Oh there, no, no, trying yeah. to compare them, but yeah, that's actually two links there. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> should literally be like maybe a like maybe a centimeter wide. Yes. By a centimeter high on this page, and that would be more accurate. Yeah. Um, but basically, um, you know, the chains are broken, and this is the point where um, Arcan flies up there because the fire can't kill him, of course. Yep. Um, and, oh, and everybody on the ground is dead. All the storm cast, the Dwardens went into their hold, those that survived and shut the doors and activated their runes yeah, they but didn't like invite all the stormcast the demon, i noticed yeah stormcast poof all the veringer poof all the demons poof everybody yeah they pulled him so close that the, the plan worked yeah yeah 
The only one up there now is Archeon. Archeon yep. flies up to Ignax and takes his sword that um you know with the demon in it. I forget what yep. what's what's the name of the sword, do you remember? Uh, uh, oh jeez. Um, oh Slayer of Kings. Yeah. Takes Slayer of Kings, jams it into Ignax's temple. Now, that seems rude and potentially dangerous, but he jams it into Ignax's temple and the demon that's bound up in the Slayer of Kings like starts going into Ignax's mind. Yeah. So he's basically going to to cow this beast by using the demon in the sword to just force him into submission. Right. Drives her to the edge of insanity. Yeah. Which I got to say, you know, that demon must be pretty powerful that's in his sword to cow one of these god beasts. I would think that it I would think yeah. that it would be something, you know, this is I mean I'm I'm going with I'm going along with it, okay? But I mm-hmm. read this and went, "Really? It's that strong and it's stuck in his sword, right? And Right. But it's powerful enough to push a god beast to the point of insanity. Now, granted, it's probably not feeling too well with a pointy sword jabbed through its temple into its brain, but still. Yeah, but again, like you said, Archeon's so small, the sword is probably smaller than a toothpick. I'm surprised it can even get through the skull bone. Right. But, yeah. But it does, and it gets okay. in there. Now, Ignax, to take this, and it, it, she starts freaking out. It's driving him almost crazy. So mm-hmm. just basically pulls back, and the chains all rip out of the 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 floating island because it came so close. It just cooked and baked all the all the the land, like it scorched the land. Yes. So the land turned all crusty and crumbly. So he was able to pull the chains free because of how close they pulled him. The proximity burned it all. So then he flies away. Following uh, Archeon, but he's got yeah. the Dwarf Runa, which it says, now, for all the things Archeon can do, um, Archeon rode triumphant in her wake, unaware of the rune glinting upon her flank, for Duarden magic hid it from his sight. Mm-hmm. So he, he got his, he thinks he's won, he thinks he's got his god beast behind him, yep. um, and but he's, so he's flying off. And then... Um, we get to the Scabrous Sprawl. Now, the Scabrous Sprawl, we're back in Sylvaneth territory. Right. So Great. we're done in Akshi for now. Uh, for he's, now. He's, got, he's got Ignax, and that's really all that matters in that place. That was what this was all about, all the fighting, all the battles, all the people getting killed. <laughs> Excuse me. Yep. Um, so we get to this, um, you know, back to the, the, the realm of life. Um, and you get to this place called the heart. Now, you know, the Scabrous Sprawl is this area in the realm of life. Nurgle has wiped out pretty much everything except the last. There's a couple of Sir- Sylvaneth survivors living there, but basically, there's it's 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 a dead land. It pretty much, yeah, yeah. Um, it was called the Harmonious Velt, and it was a land of gargants. And they tended the cycles of the seasons, so they lived in this place. And you know, the the that big floating, uh, oh, what did we find the the uh, oh, what's it called the um, the great green torque? Which oh, is the just, gr- yes, yeah, which is basically almost this full circle, which runs the gambit of the seasons and has this uh, amethyst 
realm gate in it, which leads apparently to the land of the dead because it right. starts off with the rebirth, runs around through all the seasons of life, you know, going, growing, 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 hitting the peak and then slowly withering and dying. And then you roll around and he hits the little portal and it pops out on the other side of rebirth again. Right. Um, but all of this land has been just destroyed. Yeah. Um, Nurgle sent the beastmen so numerous that they kill almost all of the Gargans. Like, there's so many beastmen, they're just taking down giants. Um, you know, Sigmar's... Yeah. And then all the, uh, all the Skaven as well. Right. Now, the Skaven are here, uh, and they're supposed to corrupt this land. This is where Archeon uses them. Archeon hates them. Yes. But, but they can tunnel like nobody else, and that's what he needs. He needs someone right. who's going to dig, so he he gets the, these 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 vermin, and I use the term in 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 his sort of derogatory way because mm-hmm. they are you know they're rats, but right. he just has no respect for them. doesn't doesn't like to use them because even to admit he needs their help or anything like that is it's just it's so beneath him at this point. He's like, no, I hate them. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but so they they created these things called um, uh, parasite engines. Yes, these things are pretty cool. Actually. They are actually. Um, they're basically giant robot insects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which okay, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, kind of look like something from the second Matrix in a way. Yeah, kind of almost like yeah, like those those little hunter robots. Yeah, except. Bigger, way bigger, way bigger. Yes, I mean like city <laughs> city sized robot insects just smashing through the land, eating up warp stone. They've got these ley lines that run between these these nodes of of power, and they've just been eating uh, eating it up. They've been corrupting it and 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 chewing up all the magical abilities. Um, you know, Sigmar's tempest breaks over this place too, but like this this place is far from being saved. Um, now, you've got chambers from the Knights Excelsior and the chambers from the Celestial Vindicators here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're led by Lord uh, Farrakis, or uh, I'm Farrakis, 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 whichever. Yeah. Um, and his plan is to push, basically push back and forth across the, spa- the sprawl, scouring chaos from it, almost like a scorched earth plan. Just go through and clear out any chaos you find, clear it out, purify the land, just keep running Back and forth like a squeegee, just going through right. there and just wiping this stuff out. There's no sun in this land. There's all these clouds and Sigmar's sort of tempest is is, there's, is, is is bringing these guys in, but otherwise there's just uh, just dirt and dust and clouds and debris, and it's all covering up, the, blocking out the sun. Yeah, it's just wasteland. Yeah. Uh, the only light is from warp stone, glow, and lightning. Mm-hmm. So all of those, uh, what do you call it, those concept armies that everyone's doing, just black and white with warpstone glow. This is where oh, yeah. this is where they're at. Yeah. Yep. Um, but so they're at these little points of geomantic power uh, is where they get dropped. Sigmar's armies and they get dropped there, and it's in the dark, and they're looking around, and suddenly they're surrounded by Skaven and Nurgle worshippers. Right. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's, it's, they're everywhere, and so it's all this night fighting. Um, and then you basically get a little information about this guy who built the first parasite engine, mm-hmm. uh, and he doesn't know Warp why screech. they're fighting here. Yeah, Warp Screech. He doesn't know why they're fighting here. 
He just knows there's something they need to get, but he's going to claim it personally for the vermin lord. He's not going to let any other Skaven claim it. Right. He doesn't even know what he's looking for. But he's going to claim it. doesn't need to. <laughs> if Arcan wants it and it's important, he's going to be the one who finds it. Um, so the Stormcast keep getting reinforcements, and they need them because they're just... It's another one of those things like... Uh, during the end times, when the dwarves went into that area and they saw all the breeding, they're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. Um, each of these, once again, these parasite engines have breeding areas in them. Mm-hmm. Plus, they're breeding underground where they've been digging. Right. There are billions of these rats. That's what it seems like. Just endless, endless hordes. I mean, these these engines are city-sized. Yeah. And so to run and there's them. multiple of them. Yeah, and to run them must take a ton of Skaven. And you know their lifespan isn't that long in the first place. Yeah. Plus you always breed extras because they're good for food too. They eat their young if they're when they need to. Yeah, they're so tasty. You, yeah, so they're just there's all of this this Skaven breeding going on here. Um so the reinforcements keep coming. The Skaven have seemingly limitless reinforcements. And once again, they're fighting for weeks. Yeah. Weeks and weeks and weeks of just constant warfare. Grinding warfare, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I love Lord Celestant uh, when they talk about him a little bit. Um, Ferechus. Yeah, Ferechus. And um, he basically, he was uh, literally stabbed in the back mm-hmm. by his own people. Um, and it was a lesson he would carry beyond his reforging, and he trusts nothing but what is wrought in sacred Azir. So here's a guy who they send to do this job, and he's going to get it done. But he is he's actually probably the right guy for this job. Here's a guy uh, who, but, yeah, trusts nothing, yeah. trusts no one. I mean, the Skaven are the ultimate backstabbers, and that's he's constantly on the lookout for something like that. Not that he would team up with them and get stabbed in the back, but their scheming and their plans within plans. Here's a guy who's paranoid enough to be looking for everything. Yes. Yeah. Good um, example. Yeah. Um, then we get to the next step in the plan. Let's flip through all the cool pictures, all the cool paintings. The harsh awakening. Yeah, uh, on this is where Archeon, yeah, Archeon comes in and basically tells him, you need to corrupt all this stuff. So billions of Skaven have been killed. Billions with a B. That's thousands of millions have been killed. Yeah. So many Stormcast Eternal killed, and the battle has gone on so long that some of the reinforcement chambers have Stormcast Eternals in them that died in this fight. Yeah. And yeah. they were reforged and came back to the same damn fight. Yeah, that's a long battle. Yeah, this is I mean, billions of Skaven have been killed. Yeah, this is great. I mean, just the, the scale scale is, of these fights. Yeah, yeah. This is this is way beyond anything in the end times. At this, it point. is. Yeah, even truly. even when we were sitting there reading the Skaven book and we were joking around about where does the poop go. Yeah, it's this is I mean, this is bigger. It is. And so Lord, uh, Lord, Lord Farrakis, he's trying to take the sprawl. He can't 
take out the parasite engines. Something interesting. There's an interesting bit I hear I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, he tries. It says uh, he claimed the remains of a castle of scorned hope as his command post, sending out fresh attacks every day in an attempt to finally gain control of the sprawl. He already discovered that the cost of assaulting the parasite engines directly was simply too high. One had been felled, a dire thing that resembled an enormous mechanical flea with a rat's tail. The assault had cost him several Thunderhead Brotherhoods from the Celestial Vindicators and soured his relationship with the officers and with their officers in the process. I thought that was interesting because he's mm-hmm. leading his own, the Knights Excelsior, but he's also got the Celestial Vindicators under his command. And he sent them out, and they all died, and they're mad at him. Mm-hmm. You know, we lost a lot of good guys because uh, you sent us out after this thing. And it, like I said, the fact it soured this relationship with their officers. And I'm like, that's interesting. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, they're regular people underneath that armor, so I guess there would be conflicts. But the fact that now he's got to deal with this because, you know, he went after one of these things, and apparently they must have advised him no. Right. It's too big. And right. He 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 was in charge. He did it, and they're you know now they're now they're annoyed with him. Um, another thing you don't see with the Stormcast yeah. Eternals, sort of this like, you know, they're not all completely in lockstep all the time, and I don't mind it. It's like I'm not I'm not I'm not conspiracy theorizing that these guys are going to become the Chaos Stormcast or whatever. No, no. It's just to see that they actually have issues with each other that they have personalities that go beyond mm-hmm. just fighting i thought was pretty cool um, yeah, I agree. okay so they got to focus on the nodes at this point and uh this is this is this is a great thing here um so he realizes they've got to go in uh archaeon meets uh the that skaven warp uh war warlock uh engineer and basically tells them, go corrupt all the nodes, corrupt them now. You're digging, you've been digging, you're not getting it done. I need you just to do this. Stop what you're doing and do this. Well, in the meantime, they've also figured out the same thing, and they're trying to cleanse all of these areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and they keep changing hands back and forth. Right. And as it goes from corrupted to clear to corrupted to clear to corrupted to clear, um, you start to see that these these uh, these nodes, um, basically, uh, they're part of Bayamot. They're like his sort of like a nerve center for him, right? Um, there's a great part in here where Alarial's form shows up to Farrakis and basically tells him. The lands in plain and the zodiacal world titan, the star gargant. So basically, the gargant god is in laying in the ground, mm-hmm. and these these are his nerve centers. And you're supposed to purge the the, the taint, but it it's happened too late. Um, basically, you, unless you can clean this all up right now, if he wakes up at this point. He's been too corrupted by chaos. Right. He's going to wake up and not be on our side. Uh, and if you can't, if you can't, if you can't uh, basically free him uh, and 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 help purify him, then you gotta you have to kill him. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what? Yeah. You get now you're going to try to. Oh. Yeah. 
so good luck with that. Um, <laughs> uh, do your best. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, on that note, we're going to pause uh, again. And um, we'll take a quick uh, rest real quick. Uh, have a drink of water. And uh, when we come back, we'll see how they plan to do that. Right. All right. We'll be back. Lord Farrakis sank low in the saddle, his Drakoff digging its talons into the rock as the entirety of Torcrania began to rise slowly into the skies. Miles-long swaths of rubble cascaded from every side of the domed hill. The Lord Celestine could just make out the rough shape of Bayamot's rocky pate upon the horizon. He corrected himself. It was the horizon. A vast crusted eyelids slid back to expose a shallow lake with a bloodshot orb beneath. Farrakis cast about himself, orders drowned out as the air filled with deafening roaring. His retributors had taken their hammers to the earth itself in the hope of stunning Bayamut back into submission, but had elicited not so much as a shudder. Now the vermin were closing in, the towering rat demon at the fore cleaving Stormcast in two with every swing of his polearm blade. Sigmar's fist, swore Farrakis, as the fiendish thing loped close, eyes glittering red. Here we shall die. He raised his hammer and readied himself for a last stand. A clarion call rang out from behind. A flash of claws, teeth, and golden Sigmarite, and a lightning echelon of the hammer's draconis stormed past. The regal blue of their cloaks flashed before Farrakis's eyes. A retinue of fulminators lowered their long-bladed glaives to impale the vermin lord. It jumped clear, but was brought down instead by a volley of storm bolts from the tempesters close behind. Then came the concussors, one lightning hammer after another, slamming into the rat demon's chest. With an ear-splitting scream and a puff of brimstone, the creature was gone. The Lord Celestine's brief smile fell as another roar shook the skies. Farrakis turned to his Lord Relictor, Vadris. I have been a fool, he said. There is no way we can cleanse this foe with hammer and blade. Summon the great bolts. No, my lord, said Vadris. That is dire blasphemy. Summon them nonetheless. We have a titan to kill. And welcome back, folks. Welcome back, and it's time for the Wrath of the World Titan. This this gets Ooh. this one gets crazy. This is crazier than Ignax. At least Ignax was chained up and just above everything. Yes, this guy is yeah. in the ground. Yeah, the, people have been living on him for thousands of years and without knowing. It. It. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, and so, he's massive. Oh my god, he's huge. This is ridiculous. Yeah. He doesn't really show up till the very end, but boy, when he shows up and they start describing him, you're like, "Well, that's just dumb." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. wow. Like, really? Yeah. Uh, okay, so it's an all-out attack on every node. Everybody is going, and anyone who you get get to the nodes and purify them. And the Skaven are doing the exact opposite: get to the nodes and corrupt them. Powers are shifting as the powers shift back and forth, on and off, on and off, corrupt and clean, corrupt and clean. This is waking up the world titan. This is waking up Bayamot. And now earthquakes are happening. Like every time one of these things changes hands, there's an earthquake. Skaven are getting crushed, parasite engines, anything that's underground, which is some of the parasite engines that are tunneling, and a lot of the Skaven warrens are just being destroyed. Crushed, destroyed, yes. So you're, you're, and they're saying millions of Skaven are dying in these in, with every earthquake, but yes. billions have already died. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, just it, this is just oh, wow. Okay, so all that's left that's sort of not been taken by anybody is uh, Tor Crania. I'll give you an idea what the Crania is. <laughs> Take a wild guess. Yeah. So Skaven and the Nurgle Beastmen are attacking. There's hundreds of Stormcast Eternals. The Gargants uh, rise up at this point, and they attack everyone, believing that their 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 you know their great grandsire, the first of all the the prime of all the Gargants, is going to rise up and lead them. So the Gargants are basically even the ones who survived have been hiding out. All this fighting going on in the earthquake has flushed them out. Yes, they attack everybody. They don't care. All this fighting's going on, and guess who shows up but Blow Brot Spawn? Because, of course, just. Of course. It's, it's like, cause this isn't getting crazy enough. Um, he just sends out his rot flies, and they go everywhere. They go up over the storm, they go so that the lightning can't come down and shoot them from the storm cast. They fly over the storms, then they drop down over these geomantic nodes and start biting on the them and infecting them. They, you know. Burrowing on them, burrowing on them, everything. Um, so now they're being infected again. Plus, that whole plague of atrophy is a, is, is is making its way into it. Um, and the plague of atrophy is there because this way, when he wakes up, he'll be docile. You don't right. want him to wake up angry. So they're putting the plague of atrophy with all these spunk on into the nodes, so that the nodes that are pumping into him are going to make him wake up quiet. Um. With both Bayamat and Ignax, Archeon will just, I mean, it'll be ridiculous. His power will yeah. be stupid. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, there's just, I mean, we saw how big Ignax was. Now you've got this guy who basically is the land. As you know, if he gets both of these guys on his side, then, it, it, yeah. The sheer might between these two, I mean, it, it's it's on a scale that's, you know, Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, this isn't something that just one person takes down. He brings this. It's going to tear down the walls. He is going to mess up Sigmar and Sigmar's realm. Um, now, the Celestine Prime and uh, Knight Venator Tornus have followed Blow Bratspawn through to this land as well. Because uh, Tornus is hunting him, and he is not going to stop. In fact, he's about to shoot him, and he gets jumped by Skaven. Right. And he kills the Skaven that jumped him, and then when he turns around and looks, Blow Bratspawn is gone. And he's like, ah, oh, he's so mad. Because all he wants to do is kill, kill, 
and kill some more on this guy, and he's not getting his chance. Um, so we get to this part here where, hold on, let me flip the page here. boop a deep a doop That's where we get up to the great green torque. Yes. And this is, like I said, this giant thing that's floating up in the air. It's like a, not quite a circle. It's got a. It, it doesn't quite reach at both points. It comes up to the ends here, and there's the amethyst gate in between it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of crazy, and it runs through twelve different seasons. You know, starting with rebirth, then the spring, the naive hope, the blooming, the burgeoning. The I mean, it goes through all this all the way to death. Okay. Right. Um. Now Nurgle has completely corrupted it. Uh, and this is part of Archeon's plan. It's got to stay all corrupted because he's going to wake up Bayamot. Bayamot's going to see all the corruption and the destruction. What happened here, that's when Archeon tells him, hey, you know what? Don't be mad at us. We're here trying to wake you up because that Sigmar guy killed Yimnog. And Yimnog was Bayamot's like, father. Right. Uh, uh, Bayamot's his son, and he's like, Sigmar killed him back in the Age of Myth. Um, which apparently did happen. I don't actually remember reading it, but I, it did happen. Um, he's not going to give him any sort of explanation as to why Sigmar did it or why it might be justified or why it had to happen. He's just going to tell, look, this all happened because Sigmar killed your dad. Right. Um, then uh, with Behemoth just hating Sigmar and the Stormcast Eternals, he's going to side with Archeon. Archeon's going to use the torque. Now, you look at this thing, and it, they said it's miles and miles and miles wide. Um, it literally takes them weeks to cro- when they're marching to get through a couple of these areas. Weeks of marching to get through, you know, partway around this almost complete circle. Right. Um, Which, again, gives you an idea of the scale. Of the scale, yeah. And uh, Archeon's plan is to take that and use it as a collar for Bayamut to guarantee their allegiance. It'll guarantee his loyalty while because Nurgle's corrupted it, it'll, you know, it'll add Nurgle's corruption to Bayamut and grant him some of Nurgle's power and resilience and make him even stronger. But I mean this thing is miles and miles and miles wide and it's going to go around his neck. Mhm. So just pointing that out to you folks, miles wide, it's a necklace. It's a choke chain almost. It's going to go right around his neck like a collar. Wonderful. Gives you an idea of the scale. Yeah. So now the battle's going to fight. Sigmar drops uh, Gardas, who we've seen before, only the faithful. And he's going to drop his hollowed knights on the torque. Along with the anvils of the Heldenhammer, uh, Lord Celis and Thaddeon is there. Um, of course, now Gardas lands and they start screaming, only the faithful, and they're ready to go. You look over at the Hallowed Knights and they are saying a silent prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're called the Grief Bringers. They're going to say a silent prayer of, of, uh, of victory. Now, it's dark there. Remember we said the only light you see is from the lightning and from the thing, uh, from the warp stone. So when they mm-hmm. land here, now... Gardas is in lighter colors. The anvils of the Heldenhammer are like, their armor's black. Right. So they are moving like, they're like the ninjas right now. They're sitting in the dark, moving through the dark, in the dark armor. Um, 
moving quietly. They don't talk very loud. Um, they are they're the anvil. They're the grief bringers. Um, the Brayhards attack, realize their mistake, and run. Right. Um, now, when this happens, they, they basically start uh, attacking. Uh, the, the, they're supposed to clear, clear, cleanse the torque. Uh, that's their that's their their mission, and mm-hmm. so they're chasing down these bray herds and they're following them and they're following them and the the bray herds basically realize we can't kill these guys. Maybe if we run through the forest, there's an area here that's full of webbing um, near the, uh, the the umbilicus, which is the sort of warp gate slash long you know thing that connects this floating collar to the ground. Yeah. Um, and as you get to this area, there's this whole area that's full of cobwebs and spiders and all of the arachnoroks and stuff live there. And there's just a whole, um, you know, community nation of. Um, Gobbos. Yeah. Spider uh, riders and arachnoroks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, whole, the whole goblin society. You got Yeah. You've got all these arachnoroks and grots and you basically. Yeah. Um, so they're running, and these guys follow them through, and they get to this place, and there's all this spider webs and stuff, and they're like, oh, chaos again. They're like, no, this doesn't look like Nurgle or regular chaos handiwork. This is something different. And then, of course, they get attacked. Right. Um, now, they're getting attacked. Now, the the Beastmen, basically, they've got all of these grots, and arachnoroks and spider riders coming on one side and they're sort of backing them off and they're fighting with them and that's when the beastmen decide to turn around and come back and attack from the other side right so they basically led them to this because they knew they couldn't beat them on their own so they said let's take them to where they'll get bogged down and then we can stab them in the back exactly um they don't want to be surrounded so right. this is where gardas says him and the Hallowed Knights will hold off the Grots. You guys go after the Beastmen. Um, preemptively attack so we don't get surrounded. Now, there is a story between Gardas and uh, Lord Seliton Thadon, Thadion, uh-huh. that, um, that little story box that I thought was pretty interesting, and I really liked how Gardas reacted. Um, if you don't mind, the, the Stormcast right. commanders convened under a canopy of bundled corpses. This is a place of ill omen, said Gardas, making the sign of the comet over his heart. We fear not the dead, said Lord uh, Celestant Thadion. His words fell flat in the web-strewn clearing, muffled like grave slabs, thudding into wormy earth. Nor do we recoil from that which the plague god has wrought. Gardas shuddered. That cursed work. I am more than familiar with it. He said, it is the lack of it that I find peculiar. This is not the plague god's doing. He turned full circle, eyes scanning the tangled webs above. Something else lives here, amongst the spider lair. Something, not chaos. And Thadion says, Carest thou what manner of beast haunts these reaches? Doth the shadow of the monstrous give you pause? Gardas turned eye sockets of his mask, blazing white. Yes, he said, motioning for his stormcasts to form a shield wall, as it should any warrior who fights with his mind as well as his blade. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Exactly, yeah. 
You, are you you worried about the type of monster? Yeah, uh, <laughs> and anyone with a brain would be. I don't know exactly. what's out here. Oh man, that was just great. It was. Um. Okay, so basically they and get then attacked. The spiders. Yep. <laughs> they get attacked by a ton of arachnoroks and thousands and thousands of grots attack. Uh, and this is where they basically, like I said, um, Agardus and his troops are going to hold off hold the, the line. grots. These guys, the 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 other guys, the not the hallowed knights, the uh, anvils. They're going to go the other way. They're going to go after the beastmen. And they do, and the beastmen start to retreat, and they start chasing them down, and it's, mm-hmm. it's almost too easy. And then you realize it is too easy because the beastmen are leading them away. Right? They're throwing all their their this guy is right for Lord Celestin. Yeah, I mean he, he's he, he's he's easily led away too. He is. Uh, he finally figures out this is too easy. We're killing off all these guys easily because they're leading us away from Gardas. They're d- divide and conquer. They're going to keep us here. The, now we have a smaller force. They're going to try to surround us and wipe us out and then go back for Gardas. I can't let that happen. So now he's going to turn back and go back to where Gardas is. He's going to fight his way back to where Gardas is. Um, they were supposed to separate. I'm, I'm not even sure. This is the thing. Like They're here. They haven't said why they're here. They just got here and started fighting everything. And I know they've got to cleanse the place, but they don't seem to have a real plan going on. It's just like kill everything that's bad. Right. Um. So he's working his way back to Gardas because he, he led them too far away. Um, and uh, basically when they get close to getting back to Gardas, they're just, they're just being swarmed. They're getting swarmed all over the place. Uh, and it's just fight, 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 fight. And that's kind of where this part sort of stops. You get your little battle yeah. plan, um, which is basically, oh, look. And, oh, and there's a time of war for the Great Torque. Yeah. Um, which gives you six of the 12 regions sort of picking, you know, every other one. Um, and depending on where you fight, you could roll up random if you want to fight up here and you get different things happen. Yeah. I, I actually fought with this time of war just last week. So. Oh, did you? How was it? It was fun, actually. We played it in a couple di- – like different groups played it in different ways. So you can play it where every turn it randomly changes or you can just pick one of the times to fight during. Oh, okay. And it, it was it was a lot of fun. It, the one I played in was I think it was the uh, reaping. So um, at the end of every um, uh, at the end of every turn, when you get to the battle shock phase, any model that's taken a wound automatically takes a mortal wound. Oh wow! So multiple wound characters. Yeah, and models just start dying off. <laughs> oh, that's kind of cool. It is. It makes the battle start running faster. Definitely. It did. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, there were times where, you know, my opponent and I on the either side were like, oh, it only one more wound and I would have taken that model out. And then we go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it, it will be gone. Yeah. No worry. It's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now we get to this next part. And now you got a, this is a separate group of the Hallowed Knights and the Tempest Lords. You got a separate chamber. You got the Gleaming Host. Led by Silas the Untarnished. And you've got the Noble Donatons. The Noble Donatons of the Tempest Lords. Read by Donatan Thracio. Okay. Um, Now, okay. Lord Silas's Dracoth told him that he had (laughs) spoken directly to the Great Drake. And the Great Drake himself wants them to go through the Sweat Swamp. That's where his 
uh, his destiny lies. Right. Uh, you know, Donatan Thracio kind of landed near him and saw him going off in this weird direction where not everybody else was going and said, dude, where are you going? And he's like, Dracothian himself told my 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 Dracoth <laughs> that we need to go this way. So I'm going this way. He's like, well, I'll go with you. So, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I love that his 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 dragon told you know his dragon yeah. mount is like eh, I've been talking to the big guy <laughs> hey I've been talking to God and he yeah. says we need to go this way <laughs> and he's like okay um you know yeah, I guess yeah. they have a psychic bond in a way <laughs> hey you got us into this parking lot pal now you get us out of it yeah so they go through they actually come across a Gargant tribe and they get attacked but they're like dude these aren't our enemies like these so they yeah, they're pulling pull their punches and they're only like hitting them in the head they're like t- only tapping them yeah so they're just knocking them unconscious so when they wake up these guys are already gone which seems like a weird unimportant story it's like we came in they killed a few of us but we backed out and didn't kill them but they basically when they all wake up and their enemies are gone they're pissed Right. So later on, later on in the story, they're going to show up like, "Hey, you guys knocked us out and left us there. Now we're back." Yeah. And they show up at just the right time. So now we're going to fight for the umbilicus. Okay. Oh, okay. By the way, all those guys uh, who were who were just landing, who are down on the ground, who aren't up on the torque, um, they march for seven weeks, battling their way to the umbilicus. Yeah, from beginning to end. So it's so they've been months. Like they didn't land them near it. They landed them way off to there. So once again, the size and scope of the place and the amount of fighting that's going on. Um, now all of a sudden they're getting close to when they're right up near the umbilicus. Suddenly they look up and there's a like a tornado of demon flies. Except it's like sideways. Kind of coming towards them, this this cylinder of flies is spinning around, and who's inside? Of course, the demon flies. Hey, it's Blob again, because of course. of course it is, with hundreds of rot bringers, and uh, the flies are everywhere, and they're they're literally flying everywhere. They're buzzing in their eyes. They're getting inside their masks, so they, they they're buzzing in yeah. their ears. They can't see. Um, and while it's going, Tornus arrives, and Tornus arrives, and he's like, "Oh, that's it." Now I've got you. Uh, Blob is so concentrated on sending all these flies to get all these Stormcast Eternals that Tornus is able to shoot him through the throat. Yeah. He's trying to do a spell and he gets a shot through the throat, and then he puts a shot right through his heart. Yep. Um, at that point, Blob turns into a – he bursts into a pile of flies and maggots because yep. that's what he does. He's basically – that's his, like, special ability. He's a maggot lord, yep. Yeah, he turns into – Maggots and flies, um, you know, kind of like Dracula turns into a bat. He right. turns into maggots and flies. But they've already seen him do this before. Yeah. And this is great because now Tornus is ready for it. He comes flying in, hits him with the shot. Oh, I got shot in the heart. I need to go. And he goes into the flies. And that's when all the other Stormcast are ready for him. And they call down lightning. Right, and so the lightning comes down and just all you know it's it's, it's a it's, giant bug zapper. Yeah, it's Sigmar's bug zapper, and it just wipes them all out, except for, of course, a single maggot that's inside the body of one of the blight kings. Right, goes and hides because you only need one maggot left. You yep. know, 
Um, the swarm disperses. It's all destroyed except for the one maggot. So you know he's going to live and he'll be back. He'll grow. He'll grow again. Um, Good. Yeah, he's fun. <laughs> he's yeah, he's a fun character to to have, and uh, it's great to watch uh, uh, Tornus just lose his mind every time he's on the battlefield. <laughs> exactly. Um. Okay, but when the swarm disperses, the swarm of rot flies disperses after he's destroyed. You can see an entire beastman army that it was hiding. Right. And so the beastmen start fighting, and then all of a sudden you hear all this rumbling and shouting and loud noise, and you look, and over 50 gargants. Yes. <laughs> which are like, they're basically giants, but these ones are, I mean, I guess they're a little bit larger than giants, you know? See, yeah, sounds like it. They're, 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 there's no, no tiny giants here. No. These are all big giants. They come wading in, and don't forget, there's earthquakes happening constantly. Right. So they're fighting on earthquake land against beastmen, and the Gargans are just attacking everybody. So there's literally a three front battle going on here. When you're just when you're also trying to keep your footing and not get all shook up by the earthquakes. Right. Um, now they've got a plan. They get to the umbilicus, and the the retributors pull out their hammers and start hitting it, and like it did nothing. It, right, you know, it's it. They, it says it's like they're trying to take down a tree with a pocket knife, you know. Yes, and so they can't get it to work. So, um, he has a plan, and yes. so what he does is he, uh, what's his name? Um, you know, it's the is it, it's not three shoot. It's, it's the untamed, I think. Uh, he gets them up there, and he runs over there, and they all start banging on the umbilicus. And smashing right. it as loudly and obnoxiously as they can, and the Gargant Lord looks over and sees that, and he's like, "Hey, you can't do that! Like that's a sacred thing to them. The Torque and the Umbilicus are sacred to the Gargants." Right. So he goes running over there, and he's carrying a giant pillar from this temple. Right from a Gargant temple. Yeah, and he swings it like it weighs nothing. Like they're like it moves way too fast. Like he can you know, check swing, mid swing, swing back type stuff. Um, and he's swinging like crazy, uh, at at uh, at this stormcast, and he's ducking and weaving and and jumping and jiving. And he's just trying to get out of the way of this, uh, you know, of this uh, of the pillar of the pillar. And oh, it is Threesio because it's Lord Threesio because he's ducking and diving. And as he's swinging at him, and finally he kind of runs up to a place where he's right next to the one side of the umbilicus. And three CO's there sort of, uh, you know, goading him on. Meanwhile, right. all the retributors have moved to the other side of the umbilicus, and they're all standing there waiting. And they got him so wound up. Yeah. Uh, that he goes and takes a huge swing at three CO, who dives out of the way, and he smashes this huge pillar into the side of the umbilicus. Um. Whoops. Meanwhile, on the other side, the retributors are watching, and as he swings in, they all swing and smash with every every hammer they've got on the other side. Um, the smashing it on both sides causes the base to just basically explode and kill just about everything around it. Right. Stormcast die, gargants die. This explosion kills stuff. Miles of the umbilicus come crashing down. Yeah. Cracking the world apart. 
causing huge earthquakes, more cracks. Once again, you blow it up on the bottom, and it just disconnects from the top. That's apparently how this works with the chains, with the umbilicus. If you break the bottom, the top breaks too. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. That's No, we know. You know, because I kind of thought that was weird. You blew up the bottom, so the top fell off. Was it not connected well? Was it just too heavy that once it starts dangling because it was already coming down? I don't know why, but it just it that's what's happening. So, okay. So now we get to the Battle of the Torque. And yeah. This is cool, okay? You've got the umbilicus coming crashing down. It's dist- by the way, it, and it's cracking the earth. Like it is sending more waves of earthquakes. More stuff's getting destroyed under this. Meanwhile, Gardas and his Steel Soul Warrior Chamber, they're fighting with the spiders. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's losing. They're just, there's Bad. just too many of them. Yeah. There's hundreds of Arachnoroks, thousands of Grots. Um, him and his guys just jump off the edge. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Now, this was kind of cool. They dive off the edge 10 thousand grots are left now remember Gardas only had like what like i think 40 50 maybe 80 guys there right okay um they're fighting remember they've been worshiping spiders this whole time Mm -hmm. they've sort of forgotten about gorka morka Mm -hmm. but now that they've been fighting gorka morka hasn't forgotten about them and so through this battle, as they're attacking and they're fighting for their lives and they're, they're going crazy, they, I mean, they've been subjugated this whole time. They were actually only fighting because they were starving. Exactly. I mean, they were starving because even the mushrooms that the Grots grow was infected by Nurgle and they couldn't eat them. Yeah. And they were hoping that by killing the Stormcast, it'd give them something to eat. Yeah, except they're just pulling away and they're like, oh, come on. Just like, this is not the first time people have wanted to eat the Stormcast and not been able to. That's true. Um, <laughs> but so now what you've got is you've got, you know, Gorka Morka is infusing them with with this fight, with this, this, this drive to battle with the war. And... Uh, when Gardas and them just basically, Gardas realizes he can't win, so they back off and they dive off. This, like, inspires the Grots. Yeah. Like, they're like, we just beat these ridiculously tough guys. Let's take our home back. And they just, they do, they just rampage. Like, they've they've won one battle, they just rush out. They're going to, now they're, they're going to... They, hey, look, we won a battle, but we're still starving here. We need to take, like, it... it, it, it puts the flame of of rebellion and and fighting back into these guys. So they just start rushing across the land. Yeah, attacking for stuff to kill. Like yeah, so Gardas actually realized it would be better to just get these guys more motivated and they go off to kill Nurgle. How he knew they would do that, not certain, but he did and it worked. Um he could see it in their eyes. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. With the umbilicus cut off, there's no more reinforcements coming for the beast men. Okay? Because they used to yep. come up the umbilicus. You would fight, and if you'd win good battles, you got to go up there and fight up there. That's like the nicer place to be. Um, so that's gone. So now, um, you know, the uh, the guy who was up there with Gardas, the guy from the, uh, the anvil, 
Um, he gets back and Gardas isn't there. And neither are the Grots or the Spiders. He's got to make his way back to the land of rebirth where that big, like the big head was. The big beginning head, yeah. Yeah, the big face carved out. And it was like I guess the elves had made that, that, that castle and the temple with the big face on it. That's a reasonable expect. Yeah. It's yeah. All, yeah. So um, they make their way back to the realm of rebirth. The great cherubs uh, brow at the castle uh, Neonatus. Uh, and it's it's crying like the, the castle's face. This cherub carved into it is open mouth sobbing after the umbilicus is cut because this is right. it's like the, the death of this land is sort of imminent as this is getting destroyed. Right. Um, and the beastmen attack. And the beastmen are attacking. And, and they also have chaos warriors from Nurgle attacking. And they're just fighting them and they're fighting them and they're fighting. There's less than 40 of these guys left up here. And um, then you get this weird little break. The two, and earlier, a couple of the Stormcast Eternals fell through the Amethyst Gate, like when during some of the, one of the part of this fight. And they're over there, and they're basically like, "Oh, we're in the realm of the dead." Oh yeah, we're here. This well, this is weird. Why? You know, gosh, we're back here again. All of a sudden, like Nagash's army comes up to them, yeah. and it's like, and that's it. And then we're back. Like, there's a little side box. By the way, remember those guys that fell that we mentioned? Like in a quick sentence, they fell into the amethyst. Like, I actually, when I read this, I went to go back to look for where they fell. And I'm like, I'm not reading this whole book again. Somebody, I remember, <laughs> it was like mentioned. I don't know where it was. Somebody fell through. It was earlier. Who cares? Mm-hmm. The point is, these guys came through, and Nagash has got an army marching up. I don't know if he's fighting with them. I don't know if he's fighting against them. I don't know what's going on. But just remember that they found Nagash and his army. So right. there you go. That was this castle there on the opposite side. Yeah. Um, now we'll finish this part up, and then we'll take another break. Basically, the forty Stormcast Eternals who are at this place. Now that we've had our little aside, that just drops in the middle of here. Um, mm-hmm. There's this weird, massive, hunched thing coming towards them from the other side, on the other side of the Beastmen. Um. And they're watching it. It's making this low rumble and stuff. I'm like, what is that? And the beastmen coming. All of a sudden, the beastmen look back. It's the ten thousand goblins. Yep. <laughs> on spiders, they're riding the spiders. You know, the horse size of the spider riders. They are rampaging. They attack the beastmen and the chaos warriors. The arachnoroks are killing everything. The stormcast eternals join in the fight. Like, why not? Yeah. Um. And when the stormcast are fighting chaos too, it basically. They, you know, they realized sort of what Gardas realized, which is these weren't their enemy. They're not chaos. Mm-hmm. They're just these things that live there. Uh, and the Grotz had enough presence of mind to realize these things are, they, they wound up in our forest, but they're killing our enemies too. So the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of thing. Mm-hmm. Once once they wipe out all the Nurgle followers and the and the Nurgle demons, they basically stop. And they don't kill each other, which is right. nice. Which yeah, surprised me actually. Yeah, which is which, okay. Good. So a couple of these guys get to live right for at least for now. Yes. And the uh, you know the 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 Grots are going to go on and keep looking and kill and basically they're taking this place back. Um, then you get a little sidebar. Uh, one of the Skaven priests finds the blow maggot and recognizes it. Yep. And scoops it up and eats it. 
but he doesn't mm-hmm. chew it. He just pops in his mouth and swallows, and it's in his stomach, and he tells it to rest. Yes. You need the rest. You You're going to need your rest. Ahead. Yeah, we have work to do. And then he takes his knife out and cuts open reality and walks through the hole because that's what they get to do. Yeah. Oh, and also when the when the Stormcast and the, the uh, Grotz killed off all the plague gods worshippers, the cherub fell silent and stopped crying. Oh, yes, it did. That's right. Which I thought was a weird thing. It, I, didn't, I didn't think about it because I thought it was crying because the umbilicus got cut. But, but it said that the healing process was swift once the plague god's baleful influence was broken. Oh, okay, that's right. So, but there's still no um, umbilicus. That's a bad thing. But yeah, you know, whatever. Maybe it can heal. Well, it has to. But uh, okay, time for our next little rest. Grab a glass of water. We'll come back, and we're gonna. Wrap up the story here with the Titan rising in the shattered world because this place is messed up now and it's just going to get worse. Uh, We haven't seen destruction on this scale in one of the realms at all. Never. So, okay, we'll be back. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paints? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. Hey, check out that guy in the Garage Hammer shirt. Who cares about him? Look at that guy with the Garage Hammer hoodie. That's right, guys. Nothing tells the ladies I'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear. So hurry to garagehammer.net slash store, and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about. Remember, boys, first you get your gear, then you win all your games, then you get the chicks. That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in garage gear. And we're back, 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 I'm just going to do that for the rest of the show. And lose all our listeners. They'll so, stay. <laughs> hey, come on. It's late. It's like 1230 in the morning over here. So, all right. The Shattered World. Okay. Now the Titan's going to rise. Uh, Bayamot's awake. And he's pissed. Oh, um, he's, been, he's, he is part of the world. So all those earthquakes are him like starting to wake up and now he's waking up and moving and the realm is just tearing apart. What is yeah. left of this part of the realm of life is going to be gone. Now, I don't think the whole realm is gone, 
but this part of it is pretty much about to be gone. Yeah. Um, with Blobe gone, with um, a lot of the Nurgle stuff gone, with the uh, even a lot of the the Beastmen have been killed. Basically, the Skaven have picked up and they're leading the charge against the Stormcast. They're the the only leadership they've got are a couple of these Skaven guys. Um, Dracothian himself comes down here. Um, the Dracothian yeah. like takes this weird astral form and comes down and starts raining down stars onto the battlefield. Uh, and you're like, huh? And the, uh, apparently Bayamut, like sees him coming and reaches out to grab him, but he's like ethereal, so he can't grab him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just causing more earthquakes and stuff. Right. Um, and as these lights are coming down and landing, they're Star Drakes of mm-hmm. the, the Chamber Extremis. And and it's it's saying just to, again to give scope is as Bayomat is lifting his hand to reach, each finger is a mountain size, like yep, it's just massive scale. Right. I mean, they're talking about there's parts here where it says as he's moving that people th- parts that they thought were trees with really weird foliage were the hairs on his toes. <laughs> right. Like, I'm reading this going, wait, what? Like, I was like, that's crazy. Yeah, he reached out with a hand the size of an island. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, okay. So the, now the storm, the, the extremist chamber shows up, and they're coming to smash face, too. Because yes. uh, the Stormcast are still in trouble. They're still Skaven. They're still Parasite Engines. There's still a Nurgle army there. They're just, the Skaven are leading it. Uh, Bayamut raises his head and looks around and sees what was once a beautiful, lush place that was his is now a complete wasteland. And he lets out a roar that basically nobody can hear anything else. It's like deafening. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else. No one can hear to to shout commands to each other. It's just louder than anything else. Uh, He sees his world's destroyed. Things are dying everywhere. Um, You know, it's... Uh, the Torcrania is his head, and as he starts to lift it, they actually say a part where he says, um, you, you start to see, it looks like part of the, you know, his his head starts to move and takes up part of the horizon, and he realizes, no, that's the entire horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're like, oh, man. I mean, think about, I mean, look at your own body. If your fingers were mountains, how big is your skull? You know? Yeah, it'd be like if ants were walking on you, maybe. Yeah, except, yeah, they're... Maybe. In fact, no, because... Smaller than that, even. Yeah, because if an ant was walking on my finger, that would make a mountain only about 20 times, 30 times the size of me, depending on how large the ant is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, tiny, like, like not... like Microsoft. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Total, just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Lord Farrakis looks around and he's like, like Sigmar's fist, he swears. I like that. Sigmar's fist. I'm keeping that one. That goes mm-hmm. on there with Merlin's beard and all the other stupid <laughs> curses I picked. Stars and stones. <laughs> yes. All the stuff I picked up from reading. But he's basically, um, it's interesting because as they're describing this, uh, he starts to re- raise his head up and his eyes start to open. And you can see, like, the red. They're, like, almost all red. 
you know, it's like the, the chaos has sort of kind of taken its hold in him. Mm. And he goes, we can't, we can't do this. And he goes, call down the great bolts. And his people are like, that is blasphemy. He's like, I don't care. We have a Titan to kill. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's so good. Um, so the problem is they're getting ready to do this, and the Star Drakes have to rush in and grab all the paladins because the Cygors are coming to kill them. Right. And so as the Cygors are rushing in, the Star Drakes come flying in and basically with their talons grab all the different paladins and all the Lord Relictors and all the different guys who are going to be doing this calling down the lightning part and grab them and fly them up and away. Right. Um, Get them out of the way. Now, here's an interesting part. They talk about how some of these these Gargans had hidden themselves in what's called the Titan's Maw Chasm. It's a chasm, okay? A Mm -hmm. huge chasm with, you know, considered a a giant cave, and a lot of the Gargans that they said had gone into hiding, that had disappeared, that were going to come back someday, hid themselves in the Titan's Maw, M-A-W-R. Well, that's his maw. That's in in Bayamot's mouth. Right. (laughs) Okay, this is a giant chasm, was his open mouth while he was sleeping. Right. And they went in there. So he gets up, and he starts to gag a bit, and he vomits them up. Right. Because they're, like, still alive in there. (laughs) And it says it's stench, and a river of stomach acid comes out. It dissolves an entire battle line of Nurgle worshippers. How the Gargants lived in there, maybe they just lived in his esophagus, which is why he gagged and puked them up. It could be. But I was just like, what? Then the Gargants get up, and apparently the, the vomit that tears up the Nurgle worshippers didn't hurt them. And that's when they get up and they start attacking the Stormcast again. Oh, I'm sorry. The Stardrix didn't grab the Paladins when the Cygors. The Stardrix and the Paladins killed the Cygors. Now oh. when the Gargans who landed, they, it's like, oh, they just puked them up and wiped out a whole bunch of Nurgle guys. Except the Gargans stood up and looked and the only people left were the, these guys trying to just, call down the lightning. The, right. They just attack whoever's closest. So it's like, oh, no. Um, so they fly them away. Um, so, okay, this is where it gets interesting, and this is sort of like this last bit here. Um, they start to call down the lightning, and the the Star Drakes have grabbed all of them and sort of taken them up in the air to start their process of mm-hmm. calling down the lightning, mm-hmm. and then um, they're trying to call all of the lightning down at the same point on his skull. Right. Um, they do call some of the lightning down, and it blasts a great crater that sends molten gobbets of rock spraying in all directions. <laughs> so it's like, well, he's not flesh and blood. It's not like he's a giant. He's apparently made of stuff of the earth because, you know, he's blasted a great crater in his head. Right. Um, at least I'm assuming he is. Now, Seems to be. So they're, they're, the Lord Relictors and the Knights Vexlers, the guys who are calling down the lightning, they're hanging suspended. In a 12-pointed star of celestial magic over the Gargan's head. And they call down the lightning, except it just doesn't go exactly where they want it to go. They can't stop it's it. The, it's the power of the gods. They right. can't actually really control it. Yep. Um, they, yeah, it says they were found wanting. The Great Bolt stuck at random, scorching mile-wide craters in the sprawl. 
one leapt between three parasite engines in turn, blowing each to pieces. Um, one of them came down and melted the melted the storm summoners into steaming pools of liquidized flesh and bubbling sigma, uh, sigmarite. So it, it, it killed some of them too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's crazy. Like it's and this is the same lightning that Sigmar called to kill y- Yimnog, uh, right? Behemoth's father. So Behemoth's about to get killed with the same lightning that killed his dad. Except they can't focus it like Sigmar did, right? You know, and that's part of the, maybe that's part of the blasphemy. Not that you can't be killing uh, this beast with it, even though they have to and they shouldn't. Is that you can't try to control Sigmar's lightning, right? Uh, Farrakis looks and said, "We're dead. We're doomed. We've lost. Yeah, we this is it. Yeah, we can't focus the light. That's the only thing that's going to kill him. We need to put Sigmar's lightning bolt right through his forehead, and all of his lightning bolts right through his forehead, and we can't aim them well enough. We're doomed. And that's when the Stormcast Eternal shows up. Not the Stormcast Eternal. I mean the Celestine Prime. Celestine Prime. Yeah. Um, this is interesting." Um, he, uh, oh, Farrakis, first of all, gets 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 almost killed because he's distracted from the fight, watching the lightning not hit its target. And as he's about to die, this uh, Nurgle follower hits him in the neck with a with his axe and almost takes his head off. Yeah. Uh, and he lands on the ground and it and it kills his 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 Drakoth. And it's about to go to him when the Celestine Prime shows up. Blam. And he starts spinning Galmaraz and calls all the lightning to Galmaraz. Right. So he's spinning Galmaraz. All the lightning that's going in all the wrong directions starts to hit Galmaraz right on the head of the hammer, which he then spins around really fast like Thor. And then, right. And then basically brings it crashing down right smack dab in the middle of Bayamot's forehead. Where the lightning bolts needed to go, which he just delivered, plus with the added benefit of smashing him in the face with Galmaraz, which, granted, he's basically, you know, this, you know. Which is Sigmar's hammer. Yeah, it's still, it's Sigmar's hammer calling down Sigmar's lightning. It's still a little tiny hammer on a giant, I mean, this, that guy's head has to be miles wide. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the fact that they missed the forehead surprises me. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You know, well, that, that tells you how wildly random yeah. lightning striking, right? It's exactly. striking, you know, cities apart. <laughs> and uh, this thing, it hits him and there's a giant, you know, light flash. Uh, Farrakis is blinded, basically. As, this, the, as he hits this thing, it's starting to fall back to 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 the earth. Right. Because uh, it started to sit up, basically, and it fell back. Um. Everyone there in the fight dies, basically. Pretty much, yep. When the Celestine Prime hits this guy in the forehead with the lightning, the force of the lightning blast, it says, is like a supernova force. It's just like, blam, that explosion blows everything back. I wonder if the Celestine Prime lived. He wasn't on the ground where it fell. Right. I I kind of assumed he probably went back to be reforged after this. But maybe, uh, maybe not. Yeah, because it says here he rolled helplessly as the ground canted sharply away along with the thousand other souls he tumbled to his death. I don't think so. I think if he's flying up there, this is basically anyone on the ground 
when this guy moved, I mean, it was already causing earthquakes when he moved. Huge. I mean, you right. figure how many miles deep of ground is, is lifting up. It's not just an earthquake. Picture just, you know, a couple oh. of miles worth of the ground lifting up and moving out of the way. Anything caught in that shake falling down there is falling miles to their death. Right. And I think that's what happens to him. And that's basically it. They kill him. You know, his head was split by Galmaraz and he's killed. Um, The the kingdom is destroyed. The Skaven, uh, Skaven that weren't crushed or burned or maimed. The the millions that are left of the billions that died, apparently, basically go running right through their gnaw holes. Anyone who's alive runs through their gnaw holes and gets out of there. Right. it's, Run away. Yeah, they said no starlight would be seen in the kingdom for a thousand days and nights from what was thrown up. All the dust, yeah. yeah when he smashed the ground. Um, and I love the ending here. It says how the, the hallowed knights wept to see what had become of the realm they came to save, praying is one for forgiveness. The knights Excelsior looked upon the destruction wreaked upon that once fertile land, and they saw it was good. <laughs> You know, but the Hallowed Knights, you know, they're praying for Sigmar and stuff. And look, we just destroyed something that was not, we shouldn't, I mean, they shouldn't have destroyed it. And one of the right. entire realms, is, there's a huge part of the realm of life. This one section of the realm is just utterly devastated. And they're just, they're in tears over what yeah. they did. They're going to, they're, you know, praying to Sigmar to forgive us. The rest of the guys looked around and said, we did what we had to do. Job well done. Yep. <laughs> Good job, boys. You know what? And, and, that, that he was corrupt. He woke up corrupted. We were here too late. We couldn't do the job we wanted to do, so we did the job we had to do. That's it. And that's basically it, except that Archeon is still flying with Ignax. Yes. Um, in whose vast eye glinted a secret yet to be revealed. Fate was unraveling fast. And the realms would burn anew. Like, uh oh, that's crazy. And that's that's our story. Uh, he's got one, one Titan, not two. Will it be enough? Will he try to go get more? I'm assuming there's at least one in every realm. They said there's a zodiac's worth. Right. So let's see what they've got. Who knows? All I know is that was just some epic stories. Everybody dies. Yeah, so many deaths. Yeah, I mean, deaths that might, that I mean, when you add up all the different races, I mean, we already said it was like in the billions between these two battles. Mm-hmm. It was in the billions just with Skaven, you know? Yes. Um, everyone, everyone in actually, anyone around Ignax died except for the few, you know, the, except for the Dwarden who locked themselves underground. Everyone else in that battle died. Uh, you know, Valkia lived. She wasn't up there because she was down on the ground. She was near the mountain when all that right. stuff was happening over there. Just so much death in this book. So yeah. much vicious battle going on. Uh, so um, I'm not going to go through any of these war scrolls of the characters They're in no. all the other books. They're, There's nothing yeah. here that's new. Nope. Um, they do have some... Um, some of battalions. these war scroll battalions, um, mm-hmm. some of them are kind of cool, you know. Um, yeah. You know, nothing's t- 
too fancy, but you know the Celestine Prime with two or more Lord Relictors and two or more Knights Vexilar, uh, you get to roll dice and uh, do at least D three damage, mortal wounds. Yep, uh, could be D six mortal wounds to to target units, D three target units basically. Uh, in your hero phase, you must unleash D three of the Great Bolts for each Lord Relictor and Knight Vexilar that's on the battlefield. And each bolt can do up to D6 wounds, mortal wounds. So they're calling down the lightning with that unit. Um, Truly. If you want to play the Victrians, you can. Of course, that's a Lord Celestin on a track with four units of Retributors, three units of Prosecutors, nine units of Liberators, and six units of Judicators. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to, you know, collect and paint and build <laughs> yeah. an entire yeah, force. Yeah, and basically they get re-rolls for it. Re-roll ones to hit. Um, uh, if you've got the... If they have two war hammers or two celestial hammers instead of a hammer and shield, you can re-roll all failed to hit rolls because they already get to re-roll ones on that. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, like I said, there's cool stuff in here if you want to look through it. Um <laughs> I'm trying to look at the hunt is okay. The Merciless Host is a fun one, but it's another one where you have to have tons of models. A Lord right. Celestin on a Dracoth, a Castellant, a Heralder, a unit of Desolators, a unit of Retributors, a unit of Decimators, two Liberators, two Judicators, and um, you can reroll wound rolls of one so long as their target of the attack is in the opposing player's territory because they've got to get over there. Uh, if enemy models flee while within six inches of any models from the Merciless Host, additional models are removed from that unit. An, an additional model is removed. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff they've got. Uh, if you want to play... Valkia's organization? Yeah. Or, yeah, the Red Blade Vanguard. Yeah, the, the, I like it. I, I almost could build it <laughs> with what I have. Um the the one that gets me is the three units of mighty skull crushers. That's a lot they of skull in, crushers. Yeah, well, it's nine, but they come in boxes of six now. <laughs> well, so you could, well, you could you could have, I mean, unless you have yeah. one of the old boxes because they used to come box in boxes of three. Well, I mean, just because you have twelve doesn't mean you're necessarily going to use it for this. They just you might have more on the table, or maybe you don't use them all. I mean, yeah, I've got thirty some odd. Liberators. I don't use them all in every army. You know, I just, I have course. them though. But yeah, Valkia, Corn Lord on a Juggernaut, three units of Skull Crushers, two units of Blood Crushers, two units of Chaos Knights, and a unit of Chaos Chariots. Yep. Um, it's not unreasonable. Yeah. And what what bonuses do you get? Let's see. Uh, you get yeah, the uh, if you yeah. slay a hero or monster, any wounded models in the unit are immediately healed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's well, that's not bad. Nope. Uh, what else? Uh, and you get, if you roll a 10 or more for the charge distance of a Red Blade Vanguard unit, you can make one additional attack with each of their melee weapons. Oh, that's that's not bad either. No. It's a nice little, they're already tough, so adding a little bonus yeah. is good. Um, you can you can play the Infernal Tetrarchy and have a corn, <laughs> a Prince of Corn, a Prince of Zeech, a Prince of Nurgle, and a Prince of Slanesh. Yeah. Uh, as long as all four on the table, you re-roll failed hit wound and save rolls of one. And basically, three of them, you get two of those. So if there's only two models, you get one of those bonuses. And if there's only one model, then there's no bonus. Because right. you suck. No bonus. Um, who 
what else is in here? Uh, if you want to play the Sons of Bayamot, you get the Five Giants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, they get little bonuses. Um, now, okay, th- really, you got to pick one to be king, uh, the Gargant King. And he's carrying around, you know, that big stone pillar. Um, if you're attacking with the Gargan King's massive club, you don't roll to see how many attacks you get. You just always attack with the maximum number possible. So Gargans have those special attacks, you know. Yeah. Uh, it says out here, for example, if he has uh, only two wounds, then he gets 18 attacks. Because I think the Gargans get like 3d6 or something like that with their certain weapons or certain things like that. So I don't even did they even put Gargans in the uh, in the book here? I don't uh, see uh, any. no, no, they're not actually. So I don't know their rules. I don't have them offhand. But yeah, he's basically saying yeah, whatever that you know the the random two d six or three d six attacks, you just max out with him if you're using that weapon. It's like oh, that's great. Um, it is actually. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I ain't, I ain't kidding. Um. Other than that, that's about it for that stuff. Um, the time of war stuff. I just wanted to touch on those briefly mm-hmm. before we wrap up. You know what? Let's take a quick break. It's about Sounds that time. Good. We'll do one last break. We'll come back. We'll touch on any of the times of war that you want to talk about or any of the any of the battle plans, and then we'll wrap up the show. Sounds good. Lord Celestin Farrakis watched in horror as his best and noblest warriors were blasted into so much molten sludge. Pillars of lightning roamed loose, incinerating everything they touched. All is lost, whispered Farrakis. The tides of battle were sweeping over the cratered ritual site, ratmen teeming by the thousands to bury the storm-cast line in mangy bodies. The Lord Celestine felt the full magnitude of his mistake in commanding his warriors to summon the Great Bolts. A cold claw of fear clutched his heart. Sigmar himself would pay the price for his error. An axe slammed into his helmet, ripping his neck open and toppling him from his saddle into the dirt. Head ringing with pain, he caught a glimpse of a cowled, flab-bellied executioner hacking his off to death before stepping over the discorporating remains. Farrakis reached for his axe just as the executioner kicked it away, raising his own rusted weapon for a killing blow. Then came light. Something shot from the skies above, a hurtling comet that blazed through the skies with a vortex of celestial energy spiraling behind it. The great bolts were caught up in the tornado of its passing. They whirled around into a mile-wide helix that narrowed to a single point, a point so bright that to behold it was to look upon the birth of a star. Though he could feel the impossible brightness taking his sight, Farrakis could not look away. At the heart of that nexus was a winged silhouette, its warhammer held high. The Celestine Prime brought Galmaraz down, each of the great bolts bound upon its head as it thundered into Bayamot's cratered skull with the force of a channeled supernova. Blinded, 
Paracas could only roll helplessly as the ground canted sharply away. Along with a thousand other souls, he tumbled to his death. But he did so with a smile, for his troubled heart had found its peace. segment here we're just going to talk a couple of things um there's several times of war here and i love them but we're not going to go through each detail on all of them it's just it's getting late and it's been long and we really honestly it's about the story here uh you can look up a lot of these rules yourself um one that we thought was cool we're skipping orb infernia it's it's neat but it's a lot of weird blessings from the drake and simple stuff the ashlands though um has a lot of cool stuff that you're going to find in the Roman Fire you can find in the Ashlands. If you find in the Ashlands, you get a couple of uh, special rules. Um, because of Ignax, you get something, the blessings of Ignax. Each player rolls a dice at the start of their hero phase and refers to the table on the right to see what effect it has this turn. So, uh, you can have anything from a solar flare, subtract one from the hit rolls of missile weapons fired by your units as they're dazzled by the searing burst of light. Uh, both players add one to attack characteristics of melee weapons. Uh, what else do we got in here? Legacy of Volcatrix. Uh, that affects monsters. Pick enemy monsters and roll a dice on a four or more. The target unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Uh, Burning rays. Yeah. Let's yeah, both players must roll a dice on each unit of the battlefield, and on a roll of a one, the unit being rolled for suffers D3 mortal wounds. Yeah, so yeah, that's just all the units. Let's see, Ash Storm number five. Uh, the range of any weapon, spell, or ability is limited to the maximum of eight inches after any other modifications because of the Ash Storm. Right. And, and what's then- number six? Blazing Vista. So the player whose turn it is selects up to D3 terrain features anywhere on the battlefield, which I I like a lot of terrain personally. Uh, Players must roll a dice for each of the models that is within three inches of the selected terrain pieces, a piece, excuse me. And for each of the each uh, roll of a one, that model unit suffers a mortal wound. So it's every model within three inches. So one wound models, you could really do some damage there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's going on. Uh, Scarbrand is there. Yep. So when rage. rolling a dice to determine the order of turns, if you roll the same number, Scarbrand's roar goes over there. And until the start of the next battle round, units within 12 inches of an enemy unit must attempt to charge. Um, if Scarbrand's on the battlefield, you must also re-roll failed charge rolls. So if you tie to see who goes first, Scarbrand roars in rage, and that that lifts you up to more heights of uh, violence. Uh, what else? As it should. Oh, yeah. The burning skies. Oh, yeah. Um, every time a flying unit moves more than 10 inches, they take a mortal wound for each model in the unit. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Now, I'm assuming you take a mortal wound for each model in the unit, but not each model takes the mortal wound because that's not how you allocate wounds. 
I yes. Yeah. So that's how I just, if there's three unit, if there's three models in that unit flying, then it's just three mortal wounds divvied out. Okay. Right. And wizards get a spell. Oh yeah, and then uh, yeah. Let's see what's that spell. Casting value is seven. Pick a model anywhere on the battlefield. Roll a die for each unit within three units of that three inches of that model that you picked. On a three or more, the unit being rolled suffers D three mortal wounds. Okay, that works. Um, you, and there's other rules in here too. You get uh, if you win a victory, you get to roll for a special bonus in the Ashlands. If, you know, if you're playing an Ashland campaign or something like that, there's bonuses you can get. And the pyroclasm, because we still have to talk about that. Um, it's a sentient storm known as the regions known to the regions native people as the pyroclasm. When the cloud draws near, death follows. In your hero phase, decide whether you try to appease it with a sacrifice or risk suffering its wrath. If you make a sacrifice, pick a unit. That unit immediately takes D6 mortal wounds. Now roll a dice. On a two or more, your sacrifice is worthy, and it ignores your army. If you choose a hero to be a victim, it will always be deemed worthy. If your sacrifice is found unworthy, it inflicts a mortal wound on each of your units on the battlefield. <laughs> If you defy the pyroclasm, roll a dice. On a six, it ignores you. On any other roll, its anger's rolls inflicts one mortal wound on each of your units on the battlefield. So you can either put D6 on one unit or take a wound on every unit. It depends on how many units you have, I guess, whether or not it's worth it. And how many heroes, yeah. Yeah, or hero. And then if you roll a, if you roll a one, he gets mad and wounds him anyway. I, I just, I love the... I love these time of war settings because this is just like it's it once again it's it's not just messing with the terrain per se although some of them do it's just setting up that region or that area or it's 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 basically just changing the rules if you're playing here we're going to throw all this stuff into monkey with the game it just adds flavor and and a lot of fun yeah it, to me, I mean, you know, like I've said before, I'm not a huge tournament player, so I don't mind things being out of whack, out of balance, and adding flavor into the game. I think it makes it a lot more fun and interesting. Oh, sure. Um, you know, nobody likes a game being decided by a, a random thing like this. No. But when it's hitting everyone, all sorts of craziness. I mean, these if you read these stories about these battles, they get exciting because they get crazy. Yes. I mean, yes. that was part of the excitement of what goes on. You can pick a battle land in the torque, and I mean, literally, you're rolling for earthquakes. Right. Every turn. Because he might wake up. Exactly. Um, and like I said, it's 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 kind of, excuse me, it's kind of mm -hmm. like in Storm of Magic when you always had all those wonky rules. Mm hmm. Except here, you can sort of pick and choose from a variety of wonky rules. And like you said, I mean, I love it for the exact same reason you love it. And I've said it time and again on the show. I just think it's so much fun. It, it's you know, it's it's more fun than just picking something. Even the scenarios in the book, in the general's handbook, or our little tournament scenarios that get written up. You know, you come up with ideas here and there, and they're doing the same thing. They're just like, well, rather than just running a regular battle plan. You know, you can set up your battle plans. You could run the the scenarios, but you want to throw a monkey wrench in the works. Let's let where you're fighting have something to do with it. Right. 
Because everywhere, there hasn't been one fight where it's like, and Sigmar's forces landed on a nice even field with, <laughs> with, with you know, rippling wheat and a nice, a nice cool breeze, and everyone was happy. And after the battle, they sat down and had a nice lunch. That is never <laughs> a scenario. No, <laughs> it's always like they landed somewhere, and insanity is happening all around them. You know, yep. like you know, the, the, you know, the grass is poisonous and is made of sharp razors. It's like okay, great. You know, you like you said, you run through this, and every part of it's like okay, scariest environment imaginable, scariest environment imaginable. So I like it just for the fact that it's it it sticks. It makes me feel like I'm in the story. Exactly. It's they're just so good, and the battle plans too. I mean. The, the connected ones that we talked about earlier, you know, the one with Scarbrand and then the other one you're fighting, you know, well, you know, survive this long against the Minotaurs. Did you play the Scar? And you actually, it says you could play them simultaneously. So if you got four people over, they could be playing that Scarbrand scenario. And if the big wave hits, okay, the wave hit on your guy's table now, this is happening. Right. You know, which is just cool that they, they they can affect each other like that. I just I, I never I hadn't thought of that. I mean, a lot of times you read, and it'll say if this happens in the first game, then this happens in the second game. You get these bonuses, but to literally say no, this didn't happen till the fourth turn of this game. So in the fourth turn of your game, that's when it's going to happen. That's just so cool. Yeah, it is. So, all in all, I love this. Um, Agreed. There, there was, there is just, there is nothing wrong at all with this. I mean, I pointed out a few little story things that I thought were weird. You know, setting the rune to weaken a link on a link at the bottom, and then suddenly it breaks up at the top and not at the bottom. I, I you know, I, whatever. I don't know how it's runes work. Minor. I'm just, yeah, it's so minor. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go with that, okay? Um, because it's just easier. But uh, man, I got nothing negative. I mean, no surprise. No. But I just—it's it, too good. It is actually. I mean, they keep getting better, and and I really like we were talking in the beginning. It really helped. This book finally kind of helped me get my head around what this world looks like and is like. To yeah. to kind of help put this age of Sigmar universe that we're playing in, in perspective. Yeah. Uh, once again, it's just, it, the realms don't necessarily make any sense. They're just really bizarre, crazy things that are really cool when you yeah. get to play them. Not so much if you had to live through it. No, probably not. Very no. dangerous places, you know, yeah. yep, but yep. just, and so great. And it expanded on the Brimstone Peninsula. So we got to see more than just where, you know, the Hammerhands originally landed. We got to see how big this realm area that they are they're conquering is and we get to see the next stages of Sigmar's plan. <laughs> yep, and it is big. It is big. I'm I'm very excited to see next, you know, what comes out next year. I know they're starting another series. They're going to we're going to, you know, they they're not just obviously going to end here. And even though All Gates ended this Realm Gate Wars, the the Realm Gate Wars, 
I mean, the war itself isn't over. This is just the you know the Realm Gate battles, I guess you would say. You know, this mm-hmm. this this part of the war has come to a conclusion. Right now, there's all sorts of other stuff going on. Um, they've really it's it's the the benefit of having eight realms instead of a planet. You know, um, mm. is they've just they've opened up an entire universe. There is so much that can happen. Exactly. So they can keep telling these huge, sprawling stories and bringing in stuff like this. Um, as long as the story stayed this good, I'm I'm going to be content. Yeah. So good. And they just keep getting better, so. Exactly. So um, I think it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, it's I about think, that time. Yeah, it's about that time. Um, so I want to thank everyone, obviously, for listening. Um. Oh, a quick announcement, um, and we've announced it actually on. Well, it, it should be by the time this is out, it's been announced um, on the main network. I don't know if it went up on After Olinor yet. Um, After Olinor is going to be moving. Um, we have been um, we have been basically sort of signed to the Freebooters Network. Ooh. Yeah, After Olinor is now going to be a part of the Free Buddhas Network, uh, which means if you want to listen to After Olinor and you listen to this show as well, this show is still on the Garage Hammer feed, but the After Olinor feed, although we're not taking it down, is not going to be getting new episodes. They are going to be on the Free Buddhas Network. So whatever, however you get your podcasts, you'll need to uh, to uh, to uh, subscribe to the Free Buddhas Network, which has got a whole lot of cool stuff on it. The guys from the Independent Characters, D6 Generation does stuff there. Uh, the Nerd Herders do stuff there. Uh, a couple other places. 40K Radio is obviously there. And now, Magic Radio is there. Uh, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of great podcasts on the Nerd Herders. And uh, basically now on, or, on yeah, uh, Free yeah. Buddhas. Free Buddhas. <laughs> uh, so we will be there as well. So uh, go get a listen. Um, go check out. We'll have some stuff on the Facebook page about it. Um, I believe there may be a really cool contest happening uh, just uh, to welcome us on, to, on board because Terrace is the man. So just want people to know that. Um, other than that, um, you know, I guess the last thing would be, uh, you know, uh, again, our, our little pitch for Patreon. Uh, anything you guys, uh, anyone feels they want to help out, uh, go check out patreon.com slash garage hammer. Even a small donation is huge for the show. We're trying to uh, trying to get up to that point to bring back Garage Gamer, and this is how, uh, this is the main way now you can support the show. In fact, we've hit all these things, so they have literally, uh, <laughs> the patrons have made themselves the uh, the main source for keeping the show running and doing all this stuff. So if you want to help out, please take a look. I would be uh, eternally grateful if you even just went and took a look at the page and thought about it. And once again, thank you to our associate producers, James Mackey, Ryan Taylor, and Shirley Tempel. Uh, and thank you, Christian, for taking time out of your day. Um, taking your Tuesday evening when you could be, you know, teaching your kids to read or things like that and uh, taking time out to do this with me instead as, as I ignored my children all evening too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mine was more by choice. Um, but uh, that's horrible. I shouldn't say that. I love my children as long as there's people listening. I love my children. Um, 
But uh, thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me. I know it's like you know over four hours of recording nonsense, um, uh, but I really fun. appreciate it. And I'm I'm glad you did this. I'm glad you know that uh, you enjoyed the book as much as I did. Yes, <laughs> it just made, it made for so much of an easier uh, easier of a review when we all love it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So that's it. Once again, dude, thanks. And uh, I know you'll be on again soon, so I will talk to you soon. Yep. And uh, other than that, hey, guys, go sign up for Adepticon. Uh, The stuff stuff is open. You can sign up for any of the Age of Sigmar tournaments. I will be playing in the team tournament and uh, the grand tournament. Um, There's all sorts of other cool stuff going, so go to Adepticon.org and sign up. Uh, Other than that, folks, until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall, and only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through ChrisU at GarageHammer.net. And you can reach both of us through GarageHammer at Live.com. If you want to help support GarageHammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening. So it was that Bayamot's skull was split asunder by Galmaraz his mind blasted to nothingness by the stellar intensity of the great bolts. Down the god-beast fell, slumping slowly backwards to slam into the scabrous sprawl with the force of worlds colliding. This time, the land was not his prison, but his grave. Behemoth's death reduced that kingdom to utter devastation. Those Skaven not crushed or burned to death by their own erratic creations scurried back through their gnaw holes once more. A thousand leagues had been ripped asunder. Chasms wide enough to swallow nations yawned across the land. Further afield, tidal waves pounded every coast, crumbling ancient fjords and grinding majestic cities to rubble. On the lightning-scorched mainland of the sprawl, the air was so filled with the dust of long-parched earth that no starlight would be seen in that kingdom for a thousand days and nights. Sigmar's tempest dissipated soon after the battle for Tor Kranis had ended in spectacular catastrophe. Sigmar's tempest dissipated soon after the battle for Torcrania ended in spectacular catastrophe. The diaphanid sky swarms returned, but they shone their light only upon ruin. The hallowed knights wept to see what had become of the realm they had come to save, praying as one for forgiveness. The knights Excelsior looked upon the destruction they wreaked upon that once fertile land and saw that it was good. The world titan fell, slain by divine lightning, and the Everchosen's plan fell with him. Yet Ignax still flew in the Everchosen's wake, the solar drake in whose vast eye glinted a secret yet to be unveiled. Fate was unraveling fast, and the realms would burn anew.